Hey guys, and welcome to the uh, newest episode of the podcast. Uh, this week I'm talking with Tommy Alfano. He's uh, one of my favorite guys to talk about like movies and media, TV shows, all that stuff with that. It's actually how he uh, decided to do the podcast. We're going to talk about uh, noir, neo-noir movies. You're going to hear it at the beginning. But uh, that eventually turned into uh, talks about drugs and life experiences. We got into politics for a minute. It was, was kind of all over the place. The initial idea is there, but we just wandered off in different directions. Uh Anyway, uh, it it was really fun making this with him because uh, I genuinely thought we were just going to talk about four different movies. We're going to talk about Inherent Vice, uh, Big Lebowski. We had Chinatown and The Nice Guys, all those on the docket. I spent two days, was it like eight hours plus watching these movies and like watching videos about the noir ideas, uh, some film theory stuff about all of them. And in the end, we honestly didn't need to watch any of those. They're all enjoyable in their own separate ways, but uh, we had some strong opinions about some of them. Uh, I know Tom really didn't like Inherent Vice, but uh, it's Paul Thomas Anderson. I'm always going to watch his stuff. That being said... uh, Glad y'all are listening. Glad y'all are keeping up with it. And uh, let's get on to the show. See, why not? Now we I can finally hear myself. Look at this. Yeah. You, you're moving on up. You got the uh, studio headphones. You look like a disc jockey from the 70s yeah, right now. The, you, uh, you know what? We have no camera element on this, but that is exactly what I look like. Seriously. And like, this is my uh, first podcast appearance, but I might as well be... Coming to you from 1977. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is your uh, Sunday morning shock jocks. <laughs> yeah. That's what we're down here doing. Yeah. yeah. And uh, So, uh, did you see all the movies? Or uh... Absolutely, I did. Okay, yes. so, uh, so we watched uh, Inherent Vice, The Nice Guys, Chinatown, and uh, Big Lebowski. Yes. All crime movies, all of them have, like, some sort of, like, P.I. element, all kind of noir. Uh, which one favorite out of them? Which one? Um, yeah, they're all definitely near, neo-noir, I would say, and definitely, yeah, private investigators, but the all-time best, I, I have to say, Chinatown, for sure. For me, you it know. is always going to be uh, Big Lebowski, just yeah. because I, I love the Coen brothers. They're my probably... One of, if not my favorite movie makers, I've seen everything they've ever made. Yeah. We're watching yeah. Blood Simple when I was like seven. What, what was that one? <laughs> Blood Simple. Oh, I've not seen that one. Oh, it's. Uh, Who's in that? I, I don't remember for the <laughs> life of me. I just remember it being incredibly violent and my mom coming in as my dad showing it's like, this isn't going to warp you, is it? <laughs> Which is my mom's response to anything inappropriate for kids. Like, this isn't going to warp you, is it? <laughs> no. And here I am doing a comedy podcast in my apartment. So yeah. uh, I think it had some effect. Yeah, you know, my, my mom tried to shield me from stuff. But then she, once it got past a certain point, she was like, yeah, watch whatever. You know? I mean, <laughs> my my parents just did not give a shit. I used to watch uh, 
boondocks with uh, my brother and occasionally my dad. That is a great show. Oh, yeah. Amazingly made. But, yeah, um, The Big Lebowski, so hilarious. Um, And I was watching, like, an analysis uh, on it Mm -hmm. uh, on YouTube where they said it was, like, like, yeah, it is a, a noir movie. It is a mystery, but it's also kind of like a commentary on, like, masculinity, masculinity versus femininity. Oh, but yeah, yeah. I read that I, in a textbook. When, when I, I first heard that, I was like, that's so stupid. That's probably just this new woke bullshit. And I was completely wrong because, like, you know, the Coen brothers themselves kind of acknowledge it. And uh, it's kind of like the death of, like, you know, the macho man you know, from, like, modern cinema in those noir movies, usually the protagonist is this all-knowing, you know, cool guy. Yeah. A lot like Jack Nicholson in Chinatown. Well, uh, remember the nice guys. Uh, yes. You have the guy who's suave with women, drinks too much, but he's a buffoon. Yeah. And then yeah. you have the, like, stone-cold guy who knows exactly what he's doing at any moment. Yeah. And he's the, uh, he's the guy who uh, just... Beats the shit out of people, and it's always considered a bad thing. And, yeah, see, see, I guess, yeah, The Nice Guys is almost like both of those movies coming together because Russell Crowe is definitely of that, like, old-school macho man, and he's yeah. huge, and he beats the shit out of, like, 20 people in the movie. But, you know, Ryan Gosling is this bumbling dope freaking drinking, and I got to say, him bringing his daughter everywhere, I was appalled. I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. But then, you know... See, when I first watched the movie, I did not like it at all. I like, love that movie. I turned it I off. It. Um, I was like, I'm d- 45 minutes in. Because he was going around with his young daughter. I was like, this is so weird and inappropriate, bringing a little girl to this party. She's watching pornography, all this stuff. But then, like, later in the movie, you find out that his wife died in a fire that was pretty much his doing, burned their house down. That's why they're living where they're living and I was like, well, you know, that is that makes a lot more sense. Now now you see the bitterness and the craziness and why he's like such an alcoholic, you know, weirdo. Yeah, his, his life has gone to hell since he lost his wife. Uh, he used to be a police officer, all this stuff, and everything yeah. just kind of fell apart. Now he's doing the best he can as a father, but drinking his life away. Yeah, yeah. And, is, uh, <laughs> yeah. Something you don't see in Chinatown, all the uh, people drinking, like... He, I don't think he has like more than a drink in the movie, because he Jack or ja- Jake, Jake, yeah. yeah, yeah, Jake. He has uh, like when he's offered a drink, he has iced tea. Yeah, you know, yeah, and he's a lot like Russell Crowe because that is the same thing. He he walks through the party and someone hands Russell Crowe a drink and he like is he like sniffs it. Yeah, and it's like Ugh. and he puts it on some lady, and uh, but like you know uh, what's his name Ryan Gosling is like double fisting martini. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, when you first see this guy, Jake get, gets, I guess you assume he's kind of like a swarthy character. He seems a little, you know... The way he dresses and everything. He's very suave and cool, but you're like, oh, is this a bad guy? You know, I don't yeah. know. Like, like, I think Jack Nicholson just has that face. But everything he does in the film, he, he really tries to, you know, like, be, you know... a a moral, you know, man, like, uh, he, he was also a former yeah. cop who he seems to, you know, have seen, you know, police corruption, got tired of it and then started his own private investigation business. Like 
he even has this whole thing in the in the barber shop with this guy where he's like, "I make an honest living, man. You you you're working for the bank, throwing people out of their houses. I make an honest living." And I'm like, "Oh, I was like, man, Jack Nicholson is like the perfect character in this film. Like, he's really just has a dead focus on like, you know, what's going on with this whole uh, what was it, Mulray? Yeah, thing. the uh, <laughs> Mulray case where yeah. he finds the when he finds the cheating." Uh, husband uh and then it's just like he wound up dead and he's just trying to keep everything above board the entire time and he keeps on having his legs swept out from under him yeah and in the end you know despite him trying to do the right thing throughout the film he loses in a horrible way where it's oh, like, oh my god it's very the jarring. incest uh, baby dies Ooh. Oh my god! The, the last like ten, fifteen minutes of those movies is like, fucking intense. What <laughs> on earth is happening? Yeah. Um. Even like the beginning, I was very like, oh, that, oh, that was all right. That was pretty cool. Where you know, first he you know shows those pictures to Curly. That it's yeah. interesting. That, like the very first shot of the film is photographs of a man. You know fucking another woman. Yeah. And, you know, this guy crying, and, and Jack Nicholson is just sitting there like, all right, pull yourself together, Curly. But later, when this woman comes in, and she's like, I'm Mrs. Mulray, I want you to see if my uh, husband is cheating on me. And then later, after you find out, yeah, he's cheating, that wasn't his wife. She was some yeah. lady hired, you know, a hired actress, and he's like, who, who would hire the actress? What is that? Oh, my God. And, um, yeah, just... Like, I feel like Chinatown uh, has by far the best screenplay out of these four. Oh, yeah, definitely if you just read it outright. Uh, yeah. What was weird to me uh, was uh, at towards the end of the movie when uh, he goes to Curly's house. His wife is still there with him. And he's excited. <laughs> he's like, honey, honey. And it's just like you can see where uh, this character stands, like, just by itself, you can see how Curly is, uh, he's a schmuck. <laughs> he's trying his best, he but his life because... is falling apart around him. And he's willing to just help this guy on the run from the police. <laughs> and when his wife answers the door, yeah. she is a black eye. Yeah. And they're obviously having a family dinner. And he's like, come in, sit with us, stay. And the thing is, is at the very beginning of the movie, um, when Curly's leaving the office... He's like, I can't really pay you, man. I got nothing. He's like, you think I'm going to take your last dollar, Curly? Just make it up to me some other way. And, you know, you kind of just forget about the character altogether. Doing you know. a pretty dead-on Jack Nick. I know. Impressive. And every know, time you say something, it's like how he said it in the movie. It's the, it's the microphone, and I've been working on it. You know, <laughs> I've really been working on my Jack Nicholson. Yeah, I got to bring Jack it to the Nicholson. stage. He's, a, he's an intense guy. Here's Johnny. <laughs> no, but... um, uh. <laughs> That's another one I haven't seen. Just oh, it was so hyped up for me in college by one of my friends who wanted to be like a uh, what was it, a film critic. Yeah, it's just like wow, it must be terrible. <laughs> uh, okay, so for me, it's not as good as Chinatown. It's not as good as One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, there's probably other, you know, probably the The Departed. Jack Nicholson was great in that, but like, it is. Very good, but I... Does it hold a candle to the bucket list? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's got to be a... Yo, come on. It's, it's the be bucket list. I know, I know. It's definitely better. It's a classic. We can't get over that. Yeah, but um, I would say I came into it being like, oh, 
this is going to be like the scariest movie I've ever seen. I, I can't wait. I love horror movies. I've never seen this classic horror film. And I remember when I saw The Exorcist, I was like, that movie was jarring. I mean, you know, her, she effed her own pussy with a crucifix, yeah. which, which is blasphemous. You know, like, you're Jewish. I'm Catholic. That is like, I, I can't imagine a, a, a Catholic person watching this film. They must I, have had their heads blown. I can't imagine anyone trying to fuck themselves with a star of tape oh, that most can get, like, one point in there. Yeah. It's just like, it's, it's th- very this shallow. is an awkward <laughs> angle for everything. That's what's Very good about wide. the crucifix. But with The Shining, I watched it, and I was like, okay, this was not really scary. Not really scary at all. But it is a great, great, great movie. Just like, you know, Stanley Kubrick. And I feel like it's a great movie just because, like, you see, like, this descent into madness <laughs> from Jack Nicholson. And it's unbelievably great. Like... But I thought it would be more of, like, a horror-centric, like, scary movie. But it turns out it's just, like, uh, more of, like, a psychological thriller, I'd say. But, yeah. My, Not as great as the hype, I would say. I, I would say uh, The Shinning. <laughs> the Shinning is probably <laughs> uh, the best uh, take on that story. What is that? Uh, Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. Oh, I've never seen that. That's actually... Boy, you got down. The Shinning. Oh, you mean Shining. <laughs> you only get sued. The shine. Yeah, but, um, so what else? What, uh, uh, you know, we haven't covered... We haven't really talked about Inherent Vice at all. What did you think of it? So the first time I saw it was right when it came out in theaters, and I now realize how shitty that theater was I went to, because couldn't hear the uh, girl narrating at all, uh, like, uh. just barely kind of mumbling in the background, and, uh, you know how there's a bunch of dark scenes in it, uh, a lot of nighttime stuff? In the theater, it was pitch black, so I couldn't see what was happening in the background. Oh, that's so, so weird. And there was one scene that I missed in particular. Uh, you you see these soldiers in the background when he's going to uh, the, like, uh, pussy-eating shop. Yes. Yeah. Yes. What was that? him in, yeah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but the thing is, they disappear. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Looking at the movie, it takes place in the 70s, which means... He's supposed to be in his, like, mid to late 30s, so more than likely he was uh, in Korea, mm, and he's yeah. just having flashbacks to that, <laughs> which is something that's just barely touched upon throughout. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, actually, yeah, you know what? You're 100%. And that's something that was in uh, all of these movies. Uh, all the characters would have been veterans of some sort. Jack Nicholson's character would have been in World War I. Uh, the characters... Oh, no. Oh yeah, you're right. World War One, for yeah. sure. Yeah, because 1937. Yeah, yeah, he would have been in the first World War. Then you have the uh, dude who was a Vietnam protester, and Walter who was uh, in Vietnam. Yeah, uh, you have uh, all the you have both of the characters in uh, what you call it, the nice guys, and. Uh, they're the only ones who might not have been in something, but more than likely, uh, Russell Crowe's character, he would have been uh, in uh, Vietnam as well. Yeah, or, or or Korea was in the 50s? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he could have, because he he's like, you know, looks like in his 50s, 60s in that movie. So, yeah, yeah. definitely. So, one of those wars, Ryan Gosling probably wasn't a part of it, but was still affected by it, nonetheless. It's supposed to be the early 80s. There's also... 
like there's imagery in the Big Lebowski of the Gulf War, like yeah. outright, where like uh, uh, he has like that dream, and he sees Saddam Hussein, yeah, and he sees you know George Bush on TV saying you know we have to get into this place, whatever. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a lot of war imagery in all these movies, but I did not notice that until you just said it that where uh, the soldiers were running behind him and then you know they drop to the ground, disappear. And later, when he's arrested, he's arrested by police yeah. in police clothes. That's clearly different from the uh, these soldiers. So yeah, yeah. Um, but of all the movies, I feel like Inherent Vice. I did not like it, and I only watched it once. That's you know, so that <laughs> might be a thing. Um, I thought it was a bit hard to follow. Definitely you know, hard to follow. Like, and I I read places, uh, you know, reviews of the film were like that was on purpose. That's yeah. because you know. This is probably the least capable investigator out of any of them that you know we're looking at now. Yeah, like this guy Doc. Uh, I forgot his last name, but they call him Doc. Uh, uh, he was I'm with an S. I've I, for the life. It of me. seems like he didn't even know what he was talking about or what anyone was saying to him because well, that's kind of like what the what you're thinking when, when he was talking to. Uh, the black guy in his office, he was writing down stuff about, like, hallucinations, paranoia. Uh, and yeah. He, he is the most out-of-touch character. And uh, similar to, uh, actually, three of the four movies, uh, Big Lebowski and the Nice Guys, he has these uh, dream sequences, these hallucinations. Like, in the Big Lebowski... After he gets his head injury uh, from Mod's guys, uh, the movie starts to get much weirder. If you yeah. watch it, there's that's when uh, like the uh, cowboy guy arrives. Mm-hmm. Oh uh, no, he, no, no! Well, he begins narrating, but he doesn't. You're right. Yeah, he doesn't right. exist there, and he just appears out of nowhere. The camera pans, and then he's there. Oh. And he knows all about the dude. The dude does not really know him. That's true. Oh, my goodness. You see? That went right completely and over my And he head. knows all these things about the dude that unless they were close friends, which it's not implied they are, it's that's a hallucination. Yeah, because, you know, in the beginning, his perspective is obviously that he knows this guy, and it's almost like he's a legend or yeah. like an urban myth. Like the he's dude an old exists. cowboy. <laughs> yeah, like... The dude is a man who has to exist, you know? And, uh, yeah, uh, he could have been a non-existent character, for all we know, you know? He could have just been tripping on acid that day and seen a cowboy character. Uh, Because you also don't really see him interact with any of the other uh, characters at all. You see him interact Um, with the bartender, and he's ordering a a, uh, sarsaparilla. Mm -hmm. And the bartender, his whole function is to basically ground uh, the dude in that moment, I think. Because, like, he gets the phone call at the bowling alley. Maude knows where he's at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, but... Yeah, what didn't you like about Inherent Vice? I know I'll, it was confusing and hard yeah, to follow. Um, I mean, it was weird that it was basically a comedy. And and, and yet, also, it was basically a comedy. I don't, I don't think Joaquin Phoenix is funny. You know, he's... Uh, I think, um, yeah. I mean, he killed it as a Joker. Do you see that oh, yeah. stand-up set in that movie? I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was great. I was like, he should be getting way more laughs. That was, <laughs> a, that was a movie I didn't really like. but um, I liked it, but it was very, like, derivative. Because, 
you basically take... Have you ever seen The King of Comedy? I've seen bits and pieces of it, oh, and everyone man. I've talked to said, yeah, it's, it's like that, but not as good. I love that movie. The King of Comedy, I love that movie. And, and then also, like, Taxi Driver, so two of these, I like, Scorsese love Taxi movies. Driver. Yeah, that movie is a, a masterpiece. But it is very much those two movies together. Um, and, you know... It's a it's a comic book movie, so it's going to be very mainstream, and and you know it's not going to go as artistically the way that, that the, those other films. That was were. one of my issues with it because, like, I'm a comic book guy. I grew up on comic books. Yeah. I I have theories about why they didn't have the original Thanos story in uh, the movies. He just wanted to fuck the incarnate of death. Uh, that's yeah. a different thing. But uh, my my biggest issue with it was the fact that it tried to keep itself grounded. But at the same time, just one dude shooting a TV host, <laughs> that causes the city to crumble. Yeah. Um, and at no point, does anyone call the cops on him? Let me tell you something. That would never happen in New York City. People don't give a fuck. People can get shot on the streets. And no, well, no, there's no riots. You well, know? I had the uh, Black Lives Matter uh, protests by my apartment oh. up the block, right? Uh <laughs> And you know how the neighborhood reacted? They went on with their businesses, yeah. the protests, and it's just like, eh, fucking, fucking this is happening. What Was there any destruction here or anything like that? Or were people just, you know, holding up signs? Uh, it was a bunch this? of white people uh, invading a black neighborhood saying white, uh, sorry, not white lives matter <laughs> because that's what, that's what it felt like. I saw, yeah. I saw no black people at that rally except for, one guy who was like with a megaphone on top of a van. That was it. That was the only black guy I saw. There was just a bunch of angry white people coming into a neighborhood that is a like the street they're on, uh, Broadway, where they're at. It's black and Hispanic. It's just yeah. white people going, ah, yeah, you need to join us. And them going, yeah, I have a job. I'm trying to do that you right know now. What? That, yeah. And I it's mean, like, yeah, we all agree with you. No one is disagreeing. This is probably the wrong Absolutely. neighborhood to have yeah. this protest in. Um, it's because it's tough around here, yeah, and you know a lot of people are working shitty jobs that yeah. suck. Working, you know, it, we're in a weird day and age where, like back in back in the day, even going back to Big Lebowski times or Nice Guys times, if you just had a job and you weren't even good at your job, you had a good ass life. You could buy a house, you know, like it, it was much easier to get by. Now the days, these people, I mean, I have no idea. <laughs> like it, it's rough. Uh, even even in the movie, um, in the Big Lebowski, uh, the dude does not have a job. It doesn't even seem like Donnie or Walter Walter have jobs either. It well, seems like they just Donnie go was bold. a uh, professional surfer. <laughs> That's not even a joke. That's they so talk about it as they're scattering his ashes. Oh my god! You, you know that's so <laughs> fucking funny. I don't know if I was laughing at the whole bit where the the ashes went to his face, and then he starts making a speech about the people who died in Vietnam. Yeah, and that was, but uh, yeah, Donnie god, was a surfer. That is so funny. I I thought in the movie I was like, man, it was so completely out of nowhere that uh, he died. It's it's very sad and like it it almost didn't need to happen. It's like uh, like why did that happen? He was such like a a non-trouble bringing character. He seemed just like a, hey, what's going on, guys? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then he dies. I was like, God, that sucks. What's but then the comic relief that you get 
from him dying is unbelievable. Yeah. Like, like just that last scene of the ashes going to this guy's face. I was, oh, my God. He's dying at that. <laughs> what does everything have to be about Vietnam, Walter? What does this have to do with Vietnam? I <laughs> uh, just, I just. Uh... <laughs> Sometimes I feel like. Because what, yeah, but before when I was saying about the, the masculinity, the femininity yeah. of the movie, like you have the strongest character and the smartest character seems to be Maud. She seems to be the one who's above, you know, everyone else is kind of on the level and she's above everyone she else. She knows what's happening. She she's, knows every keystroke. She knows who's going after who and what she wants to get out of it. She really likes using the word <laughs> vagina. <laughs> yeah, she does. And, you know, makes most men uncomfortable. Not me. Come vagina. on. <laughs> Come on, Maud. We love but, it now. This well, is 2021. So one of the uh, things with the dude, when she says that to him, she just goes, okay. <laughs> just just weirded out by it. Not not uncomfortable, just like, why, why are you telling me this? I, I, I barely know why I'm here. Yeah, but um, you have these archetypes, or these, like, characters of the era, you know, like, you know, uh, the dude is basically a bum, a hippie bum. Yeah. You know, and when he's walking out of that office, uh, uh, the other Lebowski goes, the bum's lost. Get a job. You remember that? Yeah. And like, and, you know, so he's that, you know, you know, post 70s kind of loser on a no Tuesday job. afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, and uh, what's his name? Um, the guy, um, Walter is this like post Vietnam holding on to that machoism, but really yeah. being a non contributing member to society. Like, does he live off disability? Is he, you know, like, I, I don't even know what he really does for a living in, in the movie. Throughout yeah. it, you have no idea. On top of that, every time he interacts in a situation, he makes it worse. Yes. That attitude of being the, uh, strong male figure in the movie is cut down because every time he attempts something, he makes it much, much worse. And a lot like, uh, you know, old man Lebowski, the rich Lebowski, he... Um, Incredibly vain. Yeah, he, he... They're both like, I'm, the, I'm a man and I know it yeah. all. I work hard. I was in the war. I worked hard for these millions of dollars. They're both like that where they think they know what they're talking about. They think they know exactly what's happening. But really, it's... It's this guy's own daughter who is swindling everyone to, to you know, get each other in trouble and get, you know, what what she wants out of each character. And, you know, she gets it. And also, uh, Walter fucking everything up. Like, the only thing he doesn't fuck up is the whole money situation. But only, yeah. only because there was never any money there to begin with. That and the like, fight at the end. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He just throws a bowling ball <laughs> into was... the guy and, like, caves in his chest. <laughs> I thought it was, you know, it was a tiny bit disappointing, but then it was hilarious that, like, he hits him with a fucking bowling ball. And this guy's like, oh, like, literally his pelvis is shattered. Yeah, like, anything I, it hit is just gone. I, I can't even imagine. But then when he goes to fight with the other guy, it's almost like two, like, high school kids fighting or, like, middle schoolers. Like, they're holding each other's arms, like, oh, slapping each other. Have face. you ever seen a uh, real fight just between two people who do not know how to fight? Oh, yeah. It's one of the most <laughs> hilarious things in the world. It's, it's, it's funny. Reasonable. You know, they were all sober, pretty much. Yeah, I, just, I just wish that uh, the MMA, just one... <laughs> One match every time was just two people from the audience. Ticket number 12 and ticket number 563. Come on down. <laughs> and, you know, 
with that fight scene, now that I think about it, I feel like what I thought would have happened would have been that, like, oh, and then out of nowhere, Donnie is this crazy fighter. Because he's always this kind of weak, out-of-the-way character who's like, just shut the fuck up, Donnie. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. So it would be funny if he was, like, this strong, cool guy beating the shit out of everyone. But no, he just dies. <laughs> and well, it's that, like, That's one oh, of the things shit. that I think was so funny about when they mentioned the fact that he was, like, surfing and he loved, that was, like, his passion in life. And it's this weird moment where it's like, he, so here's the full time uh, bowling is just something he does because he likes to hang out with these two. <laughs> yeah, like for the dude and Walter, that's kind of their grounding in reality. Yeah. While uh, for Donnie, it's just ah oh, no, I like these two. This guy tells me to shut the fuck up, and the other guy just ignores me. <laughs> I wonder. See, like I don't. I wonder how the dude and Walter even see like what bowling is to them. You know, like. Do they see it as, like, their job? Because, like, they're going there fucking every day, and, like, they take it extremely seriously with this league stuff. Like, I can't do it on Shabbos. That whole Show thing, me Shabbos. That whole thing. But, you know, like, it seems like, you know, they see themselves as, like, semi-professional bowlers. And they're like, yeah, no, hey, we take this extremely seriously. So. And it's funny how the thing that they took seriously, by the end of the movie, you don't even find out what happens. Yeah. If they bowl that guy uh, Jesus or anything. So, two funny things. One, there's a sequel movie, an unofficial one, made by John Turturro called The Jesus Rolls. And if you look it up on Google, it's one of the worst-rated movies is it worth watching just because I've never seen oh, it. I yeah. really want to watch it. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> Next time we do this, we're going to we're going to talk about that. We might have that. to pop that one on. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's something I really want to watch just because it's supposed to be awful. Is there a guy playing the dude who's not Jeff Bridges? Or? Apparently the only original cast member is John Turturro. Yeah, but is there just they aren't in it. Oh, okay. but the characters aren't in it either. Yeah, just the Jesus. Okay, that's uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> It might be hilariously but, bad. But uh, the other funny thing is uh, I used to uh, do a lot of contract work, uh, filming of whole things, bowling tournaments. And uh, they take that shit so fucking seriously. Oh, my God. You know what's funny? I, uh, I was at the World Championship Bowling at... And so in uh, Arlington, Texas, you have the World Bowling Hall of Fame or whatever it's supposed to be. It's right beside Six Flags, like, across the street. And I was filming there, and this stuff is intense. Also, you know how people talk about bowl to 300 game, like, perfect game? Yeah. Damn near impossible. You get this weird level of respect for good bowlers by the end of it. After a week (laughs) of watching it, like, how the hell does anyone do? How do you have sponsors? Yeah. Bowling. Um. I watched this whole thing. I don't even know um, if you've seen this or anything, but you ever see Documentary Now? I saw most of the first season. Yeah. um, I don't know why I just dropped off. I enjoyed it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I have only seen, like, a few episodes. I watched one that was about, like, professional bowling. It was, like, you know, a fake documentary about professional bowling. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) Not that one. But, um, yeah, who was in it? Freaking, um... I know Bill Hader's and... Most oh, episodes, yeah. uh, Fred Armiston's in a few of them. Yeah, it's it's mainly those two, but I think neither of them were in it actually. But it, but huh. it, it followed professional bowling and then like these three bowlers. 
it was hilarious. I, I, I feel bad that I forgot all of the actors who were in it, but a great episode. And yeah, like you can see like even remember that viral video, of that guy who was like, who do you think you are? I am when, when he got that strike in the, yeah. in the bowling tournament like that. That crowd was electrifying. I, like, like, like it seems like they people go for that shit. I don't the know. final matches were intense. Yeah, it was me, and I'd gotten a bunch of other comics and PA gigs on it. So obviously, we're just talking in the back the entire time. <laughs> but once it got down to the like final games, that was like you watch that. Yeah, that's man. That's pretty cool. I, I love sports, so that w- I would be into that. All, I, all you need is a couple of Bud Lights, and then you're freaking amped. A <laughs> uh, buddy of mine, uh, he, he was microdosing shrooms throughout the whole thing. So. Really? Yeah. How much did he end up doing overall? I have no day? idea, but he grew his own, and he had like little pill capsules, and every now and then you just see him go, man, that's... How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty... Um, I actually... I had an experience with that. I like the first time I did shrooms. Yeah. I, I took a full eighth of it, um, and I thought you tip you you get you tip of your toe in the water. That's you don't, the thing. You, just you don't, don't pop, let's jump see what it's into like. a twenty foot pool. No, at, if, you know if you can't swim. I, so I ate the whole eighth, and Jeez. this is another thing. Yeah. I thought. I really want to trip. I see all these people saying they trip. I really want to trip. I want to, like, hallucinate. I want to see shit. So I decided I'm going to fast for 12 hours so the day before. So like, we're going to do them 9 a.m. tomorrow morning. I can fast for 12 hours yeah. and be fine. You, on the other hand, I'm no. not sure you can. No. Like, yeah. you look like you're going to fall over if you do I'm that. I'm pretty sure. Yo. I've got all this. Like, I think if you did it, maybe it would have taken the trip from being, like, oh, pretty insane to, like, wow, crazy. For me, like, I lost track of reality. Like my a buddy of mine, he's a comic down in Texas now, uh, used to joke when we were both in college that I'm basically a drug rhino. Like you have a mule but you are a rhino. You can just I have a friend like that named Lionel who I remember I, I was I was at a party in Brooklyn and yeah. I'm with my fr- like a group of friends and I'm walking up the stairs and I just see him standing in a corner in the stairwell. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh my god, Lionel, what are you doing here? Yo? And he's like He's like, I was like, are you fucked up right now? I'm drunk. And he was like, I'm on five tabs of asses. I was like, what? I was like, dude, are you okay? You're fine, right? Like, you're doing all right. He's like, oh, man, I'm having the time of my life right now. I was like, oh, okay. He's like, like, you can take five tabs, I guess. And he's like, yeah, yeah, it's awesome. You know what's terrible now? Like, uh, so all throughout college, obviously smoking, drinking, taking whatever was yeah. really offered to me because it's college and I'm getting good enough grades that I can just do this. Yeah. Uh, and let's be honest, if you're in college, it's not real life. Yeah. But uh, I'm doing all this stuff, and uh, now if I, like, try to smoke a joint by myself, it's like I can't find fucking weed that's just this weak stuff that I need to get back in. It's just like, okay, I'm really fucking high right now. It just used to be a hangout thing. Now it's a, uh, I'm going to go to my room and... Uh, Watch uh, Community for the next six hours. I'll see you uh, one day. That's the thing. All the weed is like hydroponically grown. I don't want that. Everything is too strong. You're, I just want you're this. 100% right. Well, it used you to know, be like, like you could hang out with like three or four of your friends. You all pitch in. 
you have enough weed to sustain a uh, small nation state for <laughs> a year. You go through all of it in two days, and you just mildly buzz throughout. Yeah, it's like, you. You can have fun at like I used to go out, and we would try to uh, trick uh, the Jack in the Box nearby our college because they wouldn't allow us to uh, go through the drive-through at night if we didn't have a car. <laughs> so we started planning out like. Okay, so we build a uh, cardboard That's box awesome. car, and it's just like everything we did, we couldn't get the drive-through stuff. And my buddy, being a reasonable man, is like, yeah, "I'm too fucked up to drive." I, he's the only guy with a car that we had. I was like, "No, no, I'm not going to drive through. I'm fucked up." <laughs> and it's like this is weirdly responsible considering all the shit I know you've done. <laughs> that, yeah. Oh, but um, back to the shrooms. Yeah. Real quick, um, I so when I took him when I fasted, like I woke up the next day, I hadn't eaten anything. I take him with yogurt, which it went down so easy and amazing. Oh, they aren't as bad as everybody says they yeah. are. Yeah, that's one thing that I never. Understood. Oh no, it t- it tasted so bad. I hate it. I mean, you know what? It tasted like almost. Like, see, I don't know if you have any relevance for this, but like a communion cracker. Yeah, from, yeah. From church. It tastes like that with a bit but, of dirt. Yeah, on. about a bit of manure, you know, from that cow shit. But I eat it, and within five minutes, I'm full-on hallucinating. And, like, I, like normally, for those of you who don't know, it usually takes, like, a half hour, hour. Sometimes you're sitting around like, yeah. is this going to happen? And then, like, you're like, oh, my God. I remember one time I ate most of a stick of weed butter my friend made, and it took me, like, three hours for oh. it to hit. It was weed butter on weed bread. <laughs> that That's he made. He's, like, a really good cook, and it was just like, I made this, uh, made like a brioche loaf, and it's just like slather that on there, and it's like, but, this is delicious. But eventually, I'm at my friend's house. We're tripping inside. It's January, and yeah. it's cold outside. So, like, I'm in his house. I'm watching Rick and Morty and hallucinating like crazy to the point where I'm, like, audibly hallucinating, too. Like, people are trying to talk to me, and yep. I hear, like, and I'm like, wait. What? I was like, oh, no, I've lost touch with reality. This is real bad. They go outside to go, like, smoke weed. Yeah. And, like, like two of my friends. I'm sitting there alone watching Rick and Morty. I'm now watching Rick and Morty where, like, they're not saying their lines in the show. Like, mm-hmm. they're saying things about me. They're like, Tom, you got to get your fucking life together. You have a really nice girlfriend, and she's pissed off. She has a real job and a real life. You have to at least work you have to at least get yourself out there if you say you're a comedian do comedy don't do comedy once a month and say you're a comedian that's crazy and i was like sounds like it was very constructive it it was that i feel like shrooms in, in itself are very constructive they, I they just really looked at to things and it's like oh yeah this is nice <laughs> yeah i don't know but, if i have too much of an ego or i've no. already had the ego death it's one or the other it's like it's for up me here or down there for me like I don't know. It, tell, it told me what I needed to hear, and I, I was not expecting it. And like, but I, I just had like the worst trip of my life. Like, I, I feel like I was experiencing things out of order. Like, there was a point where like my friend was like, "Come on, man, take the Xanax. You're gonna calm down, please." And I, I remember that happening first, and then like after that, I remember like my friend, co- uh, like this kid Brett, coming in, and I'm like, "But that was like completely out of order. It was just a crazy, horrible trip." I learned a lot from it. It was constructive, but it was way too crazy. So I ended up then, the next time I did shrooms, I was like, I'll microdose it, kind of. 
I just cut the eighth in half, and it was like a chocolate bar. We cut yeah. it in half, and I cut it in pieces, like tiny pieces. And every like ten minutes, I would just take a tiny piece. And dude, it's it gonna still stack up. I think it does. It yeah, like you definitely like. And I only took half an eighth, but like it was the most wonderful. It was way more that experience where you're just like, oh my god. For me, two grams was it's the best amount. Yeah, like yeah. things start to mm-hmm. change just mildly, and you get yes. like, oh, yeah, it's, it's, and it's, it's nice. You're just looking around, you're like, wow, things are so cool. Yeah, I take all this shit for granted. Look, look at the wood on the walls. Can you yeah. imagine this was a tree? Uh, now it's uh, the wood of my apartment. The, it's amazing. The first <laughs> time I did that, uh, friends and I, we all pitched in. We got. So all of our first times taking shrooms and uh, <laughs> we all decided we were just going to do two grams a piece. Uh, I was selling weed at the time, so I had the scale. <laughs> and so we measure it all out. We each take two grams and it doesn't really hit anyone. And then I'm walking back to my apartment. It's like this giant apartment complex. I go through the parking garage. I get to my side of it. And I notice like when I look at the wall to the side of me, it stretches on forever in my periphery, but then I look forward and it's like, that's odd. So then I just go on my balcony and just sit outside with a bottle of water looking up at the sky. It's like, this is, this is fantastic. Yo, see, see, that was fun, right? Yeah. That's just like a wonderful time. Man, yeah, like uh, you don't want to take a lot for your first time. Honestly, I right now like, in my life, I don't want to take a lot, but just like a gram or two, just enough. It's like, ah, oh, no. Yeah, it's like sparklers on the 4th of July. That's it's what like, I'm saying. It's not the biggest thing in the world. It's not going to cause any shock and awe, but no, it's going to be fun. You got to go like this, like, gotta, like conduct an orchestra for a minute. See, it's a good time. <laughs> when I had that first trip on mushrooms, I was like afraid. Like, I was dating my girlfriend. I couldn't tell her because, like, I was already, like, kind of keeping things from her. Like, you know, I didn't want to let her know how much I'm... I'm sm- I, I frequently smoke pot, I'll be honest. But I took really? the shrooms. Really, you? Yeah. Man in the, uh, yes, in the pink cool tiger. Um, me and the dude out here, <laughs> yeah. yo. But um, uh, I was so scared to tell her because I had a bad trip. I didn't want to no. be like, Joe, I took mushrooms and it was horrible. Because then she's just going to be like, don't do it ever again. What the hell? It's bad for you. And then I took him again where, you know, <laughs> like I had, I had the mild trip. Yeah. And I was like, Joe, listen, I took mushrooms. They are amazing. Holy shit. I was like, please take them with me. You know, like I feel, but like, you know, I feel like anyone who wants to go that deep with it. Yeah. It's so crazy. It's, it's too intense to go for that three and a half gram trip where you're like seeing things and you lose, like I'm telling you as an experienced person who experienced it, I lost track of time and reality. I, I, I forgot to tell you, I, the thing that made the trip the worst, yeah. like that, that really like blasted my brain was like my friend, I, I said like my two friends go outside and um, they go out to smoke weed. I have like a flash, like an, an image that like I, I clearly saw of, yeah. of my friend either like hurt on the floor or he was like hanging himself from like in, in, in the shed. So when you have an image like that while you're tripping, it's the scariest thing that you ever see. And it's, I feel like shrooms take everything that's in your mind yeah. and just show it to you vividly. Like you, when you hallucinate like that, all those constructs of your mind come right to your face and you know 
at, by the end of it, I was like, you know, why do I think this way? Why, why would that pop into my, I need to have better thoughts. You know, I, I, I can't be thinking so horribly. So anyway, anyway, I have that thought. I have that flash in my brain and I'm convinced my friend is dead. He, yeah. he hung himself while he's on, while, while we were on shrooms. I don't know what to do. Sh- should I call the police? Should I leave? Should I go home? I don't know what to, I'm freaking out. He comes back in and is like, hey, what's up? What are you doing? And I'm like, oh, shit. I'm convinced I'm seeing a ghost. Yeah, like, yeah. That's not really him. That's just the shrooms trying to block this from, like, the reality of this kid killed himself and you need to call the police yeah. to do the right thing. Like, so, and he comes in. He's like, what's going on? He's like, I'm like, oh, I can barely understand what he's saying because I'm telling you I'm audibly hallucinating. Yeah. And I, I have no idea. So, like, he's trying to tell me. Hey, I'm okay. You're okay. What's on? Are you okay? Everything's good, man. I have no idea what he's yeah. saying. So, like, I'm like, he's a ghost. Yeah. He's a, he's a ghost. So, like, I, I, you know, I was freaking out. They're trying to give me Xanax to calm down. And I remember he was sitting on the couch, and I have my jacket because I, I wanted to go outside and just smoke a cigarette to try and relax for a second. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at him, and I'm like, okay, this is it. I was like, if he's a ghost, I'll throw the jacket on him, and it'll go right through him. <laughs> And it'll just land on the couch. Yeah, yeah. And then I'll know. So I throw my jacket on him. Yeah. And it just goes on him on his head. And he looks at me. He's like, what is wrong with you, man? And I was just like, oh. <laughs> I couldn't deal. Like, I lost my mind on that. But I'm telling you, bad trips and good trips, they're good for you. If you ever want a really bad trip, uh, stay up for more than four days. Yes. When I was uh, working on the road and doing comedy gigs in Texas, there was this time period. It was like a, I had worked down in San Antonio, then up to Oklahoma, and Dallas, and then Austin before I was coming home. And because of the like schedule for everything, it's like this shoots at five, this shoots at nine. You have a spot here at seven. Bop 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 bop, and just no time to sleep and. <sighs> I still remember, like, seeing, like, shadows move in the corner of my vision. I had to get off the highway because I thought I was going to run over a dog that wasn't there. Oh, oh, man. Eventually, I just fell asleep in the parking lot of a QT for, like, 14 hours. I woke up to someone tapping on the window who worked there. It's like, you all right? It's like, I've been working on the road for four days straight, and I haven't gotten any sleep, and... uh I'm too broke to get an Airbnb or a motel room right now, which is why I was on the road. I was working. And it's just like, I thank you for waking me up. I think I'm good now. I just need to stretch my legs. Y'all have like Red Bull or something? That's. And it was terrifying. Because I, like, uh, I know for at least a moment there I fell asleep on the highway because I drifted over like three lanes. Thank God there was no one else there. (laughs) <laughs> but it's like I could have died because of that. And it's just that, like I saw someone sitting in the seat beside me. I'm alone in the car. <laughs> I remember. Um, you know the band, uh, the Flaming Lips. Yeah, yeah. They're like my favorite favorite band. Um, they have a documentary about uh, like how they came up. Their whole like it, it was basically the like I watched this documentary with my friend, and then yeah. we were both like we both looked at each other and we're like, this is our favorite band. Holy shit! It's called the Fearless Freaks. Yeah, but. You know, they were doing kind of what you were doing. They were broke on the road, you know, doing shows, not getting any sleep. The bass player, Michael Ivins, he's like, you want some free drugs? 
stay awake for a week. It's <laughs> like, terrifying. Like, like, and I looked it up. Like, apparently, though, like you really are. You're hallucinating because your brain is like desperate for for rest. Well, it doesn't like, know what's like, happening. Like, and it's like it really happens even to regular people who you know don't do any type of drugs. It's crazy. At the time, I was sober. I wasn't drinking. I wasn't doing anything. It's just I haven't been to sleep in. Almost five days at this point. It's scary, right? That's it's that. fucking horrifying. <laughs> oh my god, that's crazy, man! You, you were doing uh, shows out on the road in the in Texas, like Texas, Oklahoma, and Arkansas. Just like a lot of bar shows, things like that. Do you get shows around here at all? Uh, I did pre-pandemic, and now I'm just trying to work back to that. I yeah. figure I have the means now that I can like afford to get the. Podcast equipment, stuff like that, so why not try to do all of it? Yeah. Uh, plus, uh, right now my job, uh, it's like I'm trying to start drinking less just so <laughs> I well, it's just so I can sleep better <laughs> because then it means I can do more mics during the day, get known again. Uh, See, don't cut out drinking. Just drink less. Oh, it's like, one, well, it's like once a week versus like, I'll sit down and just polish off a bottle or something. Really? You could. Oh, man. See, you know what I'm saying? This is what I do. See, I used to get fucked up and go crazy. That's the thing. It's just, I would do that and it's just like, yeah, I'm going to go watch a movie. You're you're a lot younger than me. Even when I was your age, I was still fucking. Well, how old are you? I'm 28. But if I'm being honest, I'm 31. Okay, I'm 26. (laughs) You got five years. That's what I'm saying. But, um,. When not was, that big. When I was 26, yeah. there was nothing in my life where I was like, "I gotta get serious, stop drinking, smoking weed all the time." I was just like, "I am chilling." So it's very, it's a very good, uh, you know, thing to come upon, you know, at your age. But um, I also drink more than most people in the age. Yeah, yeah, because you're <laughs> you're a straight up Texan, you know. You know, <laughs> you're. I got here. the Irish and Russian oh, background. Yeah. <laughs> it's just. Like, oh, yeah, maybe we do have a predisposition and for you're this. you're Jewish or Russian Jewish? Uh, yeah, my dad's uh, family's Jewish. My mom's side is Catholic. That might so. be the toughest types of Jews, the Russians, right? Uh, <laughs> just a bunch of... Uh, no nonsense ang- characters. A bunch of angry yids on that part <laughs> of the family. But, um, yeah, I, I used to drink way too much. And now I, I, I'll have four beers so much more wonderful you see it's a lot like the revelation i came to with the mushrooms yeah you see we've come a long way in this podcast we were talking about movies now we're talking about life but that's what um, this is for exactly it's more interesting this way i um, feel it totally but the mushrooms i took way too much especially for a person of my frame i'm very thin i'm very tall so there's i have like five percent body fat there's nowhere for the shrooms to go i know you have uh, diabetes does that affect the uh, processing of that at all no no no. i I was curious if it did the thinness is something that i've always had and what's weird about the diabetes is i got it in my adolescence and huh? they, the thing about type 1 diabetes... Is that when you're born? Usually? Yeah, the thing about type 1 diabetes is most kids get it uh, when they're very young. So it's called juvenile diabetes. Yeah. But I got it, you know, very uncharacteristically when I was 16. So Oh, that know. sucks. But you're before, yeah. already basically a person at that point. You're a full-grown human thing, being for is, the most part. Is I got to experience a life of eating whenever I wanted, yeah. having whatever I wanted. So I did have to kind of pump the brakes on. I had to switch to Diet Coke and watch what I eat and everything. But even before that, I was very thin. So, you know, and, you know, back to the mushrooms, like, I took way too much and got way too fucked up. 
if you just take a little bit and, you know, just take a little bit at a time and see how you feel, that's much better. And it's, you can, I feel like you can apply it to drinking too, you know? Oh, yeah. Having four, I've had four beers every night for the past three nights and I'm like, oh, it's so chill. I've never had such a great sleep, you know? <laughs> like, I just sleep like a baby, you know? I, that's my thing. It's just like, I sleep like a baby, but I go to bed sooner. As opposed to being able to do like, oh yeah, I'm running on like five hours of sleep a day or something. <laughs> Four or five. And now it's like, oh yeah, I'm getting back to that. It's not. Yeah. What's your job? What are you doing? Uh, I work at a restaurant. Uh, I, I'm a shift lead there. Oh. Oh. Wow. So so what's, are you like waitering? Yeah. But then you're also scheduling other waiters. I'm not. Thank God I'm not doing that. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because, you know, like I, I, I've worked many retail jobs and different yeah. things. Like I worked a Hot Topic and, you know, just whoever the shift manager is, you want to slap them sometimes because you're like, man, oh, I have to work well, all three days this weekend. Great. Thank you. You know, like. Well, I mean, I work five days a week, like yeah. Tuesday through Sunday. And uh, honestly, the job itself is not that bad. I. It was a good portion of time where I hated it, but <laughs> at this point, it's like it's giving me good money. Yeah. Uh, I've gotten, a, like, I have a good apartment. Mm-hmm. I'm off most days between 2 and 4 o'clock, so it's like, oh, yeah, it's not too bad. I don't like waking up before the sun a lot of days, but I do that. <laughs> you you wake up at 2 in the morning? No, no, I, like, 2 in the afternoon is when I get off work, either that or 4. Gotcha, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but usually um, up around, like, five. Yeah, but with all this, uh, the comedy stuff, you know, it's tough. It, the, the post-pandemic, you know, I'm. It, it's crazy how we switch right back. You know, yeah. it's like the open mics are full and everyone's chilling. I'm desperate to get shows again. Well, the you know, biggest like, thing now that's so different is the amount of people I know who are producing their own shows. Oh, yeah. Just because yeah. they want that stage time. How long have you been doing it? Uh, if you include the pandemic, over three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't include it, uh, two and a half. Yeah, so for me, it's like two years. And, you so know, yeah, take, away the pandemic, the take away the pandemic, it's one and a half years. Yeah, so, and I think I might have touched on this before, but, like, before the uh, pandemic, I was doing comedy, but, like, barely. You know, like I would go. Yeah, you to, said like once a month. Once, a, yeah, no, that was kind of an exaggeration, but especially for that time, yeah. you know, like in it was January, the weather was shitty. Then I was doing, I would go to the creek in the cave, like maybe once in a month, but like you probably but, see me. You, we probably ran yeah, into each other I, multiple I, times no, just I had, because of that. <laughs> I definitely one hundred percent had seen you at Eastville, like a few times for sure. Like I'd never been um, to Eastville before. Uh, oh, really? The pandemic. Yep. Oh, really? Well, then oh, it had to be somewhere else then, because. Uh, but uh, well, I was still, <laughs> especially on days off, I was doing like seven or eight a day. Oh, that's that is that is intense. I I don't even know if I could take it. Oh my uh, god! What I would do is I'd grab my backpack, my notebook, and then I'd pick up a few water bottles and a jar of peanuts go on the way. That's what I ate for the day. It's just eating like, Oh my gosh. Like planters. Planters provides. I'll tell you what, (laughs) um, you were probably walking around a lot and that's good exercise. I've heard personal trainers say that that's, it's some of the best exercise, especially for cardio. You know, you definitely want to lift weights to get your muscles more sculpted, but it'll keep you very conditioned. 
till old age, and it'll keep your joints good and your ankles. Well, despite good. Uh, the drinking and smoking <laughs> I did for years, like my resting heart rate is somewhere in the fifties. Well, yeah. Oh, mine is also like that in a weird way. And but sometimes I have high blood pressure, so I don't. I don't get it. Like sometimes my heart rate is like forty-five, and then I have high. I don't get it. I, I've got low. So yeah. Low. Borderline low, but um, oh yeah, um, but with I don't even remember exactly. Oh yeah, but with comedy. Uh, so when I first started, I started in like the summer of 2019. Yeah. I remember it so vividly, and like the first show I did was like, I feel like I got myself into like a bad situation. Like like, like I was like, oh no! Like I signed up for this mic. Yeah, I go. It's at the Grizzly Pair. Which is right near the comedy cellar in McDougal I, Street. I know the Grizzly Pair. I love. I hey, love. It's the hardest it. room they've ever been in. <laughs> At least for an open mic, it's no oh. one gives a shit. It's just we are here to say jokes. Um, we are not here to get laughs. I've heard people chuckle in there. I've never heard anyone get one of those good belly laughs. But yo, I you see that's what I was kind of more prepared for for my first time. Yeah, I, I had seen a couple of comedy documentaries and stuff. I was expecting to go up for other comics, and that would be it. And if they don't laugh, it doesn't matter. Maybe they'll chuckle. And then that's actually a big laugh for, for regular yeah. people, whatever. But I come into this room, and it's obvious right away, this is a show mic. Like, this is yeah. a mic where they are saying it's an open mic, but really they're stacking the front of the lineup with, like, great comedians. Yeah. And, like, having a drop-in by, like, freaking Judah Friedlander or something. That ain't too and, shabby. And I get there, and I'm like, oh, my God. I was like, I can't do this. I was yeah. like, this can't be my first time. I can't do it. I can't. But I'm sitting in the audience, and I'm looking at the other comics, and I'm like, they all look nervous. So, yeah. you know. You're in good company. So, you know, I'm nervous. That, you know, they are all, you know, have been doing this for a long time, and they're nervous. So, I, you know, there's no excuse. I'll just do it. This is my first time. Even if I bomb, David Tell bombed, you know, on his yeah. first time. So, like, who cares, you know? I get up, and, you know, I, well, I'm watching the show, and I'm telling you, just it, New York City, it's an intimidating place to do comedy because there's a, a lot of great comedians that no one has ever heard of yet, and you know yeah. like, they're going to pop up. Like, it's so crazy to see these people at an open mic right now in the Grizzly Bear. So I eventually get up, and I think I did okay. Like, I, I feel like I got, like, when I was up there in the moment, I was like, holy shit, I just fucking killed my first time. Yeah. But, you know, I think more more... Yeah, like more really like I got a, some chuckles and probably one big laugh and I only did three minutes out of like five but it was so intense you know just that feeling of doing it for the first time was so like it's weird to talk seriously about comedy because like oh. it's, it's all jokes but like it's it's it the was, funny business it was so magical and wonderful and just I was like damn I gotta I waited a long time I'm, I'm a little old to start but I don't give a fuck I got to do this. Like, I feel like I'm good at it. Yeah. And, you know, I eventually, I would basically go to this show mic, the comedy mob, uh, yeah. once a week. And, you know, I felt like, you know, I, I didn't do it as seriously as, like, you did, where you're going seven spots a, d a day. That It's crazy. Like, well, I, mean, I don't think I've ever gone that insane with it. On days when I was working late, I would, I knew the creek and the cave. I could <laughs> go there and I could do five spots in a in an evening, not even a full day, like from seven at night to one in the morning, I would be there. Do the story mic, I do ba 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 ba. All the open mics. Uh, <laughs> if I got lucky, I would get. It's like, hey, guy didn't show up. You yeah. ten minutes? Sure, yeah. What? Plain oh, or dirty? See, that's so cool. Yeah. 
Oh man. Um, and you it know only what? happened a couple of times, but when it happens, like people, it's, yeah, like people recognize me. That's <laughs> yo. That'll keep you going for like a year. You know, like yeah. just getting that one ten minute spot in front of a real audience where you really do good and like. It, these aren't comp comedians. These are real people. Well, they don't know me. They laughed at me. Like it, it's it's amazing, you know. One of the biggest things is is uh, an actual audience. They come to the place with a purpose to laugh. Comedians, we we go there just to say our words, and if we get like mild laughter, we know it's good. Yeah. One of the worst ones I've seen is. Uh, get really heavy laughter from just comics. In my experience, it does not work nearly as well with a normal crowd. Yeah. Yeah. I never know. Like, you see, I've done, like, my best joke ever in front of comedians where, like, no one laughs. And I'm like, I know that's funny. Come on. Like, and, um, yeah, it's it's hard to judge because we're, like, it. I don't want to hate on anyone, but like, I don't know. Like, we're all in our own head. We're all just like, like when we're sitting there at open mic, oh. I re- it's really hard to pay attention to who's on stage. Well, if I'm it's paying all- attention to who's on stage, you know, I'm going to do terribly on stage. Yeah, like, I'm in my head. I'm looking yeah. at, I'm going to be looking at my notes and, and, and then, like, trying to remember them so, so I don't look on, at them on stage. Like, you know, I'm so really. I try not to bring them up with me. Yeah, so. if I do, it's just going to make me going. <laughs> Verbatim exactly. out of the book. Yeah, yeah, and and you don't want to sound too like yeah. like you're reading. Like you, I'm not a poetry off- slam. Yeah, so like you know, it's it's nothing against any of the comedians. It's just so tough to like know you're gonna go up and <laughs> pay attention yeah. to who's on stage and laugh genuinely. It's great. It's so great. Like you know, see, I feel like the beginning of almost every open mic at Eastville pretty good like the first group is always people trying to laugh for these people yeah. and it's very supportive and good and but then when you get to the last group you are in danger like it's horrible like, like this place hyenas uh in dfw area got a few locations they're dallas, dallas fort, fort worth yeah the, uh, <laughs> dallas hyenas uh their wednesday open mics can attract like 70 80 comics right pretty much everyone in the area because uh, you have a few other open mics happening that night. That's the central location. You can stop there, put your name down, see the list come out of who's going up, when they're going up. Then you can hit, like, two, three other mics that night and come back there for your spot. Uh, when I first started going, there really wasn't much happening on Wednesdays. So I, w- I would come there, and when I first started, I was going up at midnight, 1 a.m., and trying my best in front of a crowd of seven, all of them either working there, they're the host of that block, or they're my buddies who uh, I was hanging out with before. Was this like a marathon, Mike, where they actually put up 70 fucking people? Yeah. Oh, my God. You have multiple God. blocks of, like, 10 people. Um, and, well, I mean, one time, uh, like, Dak Prescott brought his, like, crew with him, and What's hilarious about it is, uh, I, I had no idea. <laughs> you didn't know who I, it was, right? Well, I, I don't really follow sports. The yeah. only thing I know about Dak Prescott is uh, I went to this bar in college when he was first like getting to uh, be on the Cowboys, like when Tony Romo what? got injured or some shit. And I just kept on hearing, Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott, 
Dak Prescott is one of the best additions to the team. And my friends and I made a drinking game out of it. <laughs> what, just hearing other people talk about Dak? No, Prescott. just, yeah, they had like oh, the uh, sports oh, radio yeah. playing <laughs> over the bar and it's just Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott. He kind of fell Dak off a little bit. Dak Prescott is one of the greatest additions to any NFL team in the recent history. I, I believe Dak Prescott is going to be the best Dak Prescott that ever Dak Prescott. <laughs> and that's the only thing I knew him for. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those weird things where it's like, oh, no, I, I did well in front of them. And, did, and with the actual audience, it works so differently. Like doing the open mic, like we were talking about before, uh, it's one reason why I enjoy going to Eastville, uh, some of the other Brooklyn ones, like the 10 o'clock one at uh, Tiny Cupboard that's up on the roof. Yeah. Uh, surprisingly good a lot of nights because you have an actual audience there. Yeah, it's it's a little hit or miss with that. For I me, it's it. anytime Wednesday inside night, there. It's good. Oh, it's when it's inside and there's an audience, it's fucking nuts. It's I, crazy. I bombed so bad. It was I've just done open mics with like, uh, other comics there, and does not matter how well or how terribly I do there, the host hates me. <laughs> oh, yeah, well... Which one? Uh, all of them. Yeah. Well. Inside. If it's inside, I am not the guy for that host. Nah, that's so- yeah. No, but do you do you, have you done it with Geo on the roof? Or yeah, yeah. Geo's fucking Gio great. Geo is sick. I love him. Yeah, he is that awesome. dude is awesome. Yeah, that guy. You know what's weird? Um, you see, you were talking about the tiny cover a lot, and like, I I've just had a number of bad experiences yeah. there. Nothing wrong with the place. Seems to be doing well. A lot of people I love feel it. Like um. You were also talking about the creek in the cave and how it's kind of like that was the place pre-pandemic where you can do five mics a night easily. It's like yeah. an open mic club. You're in that basement and you can do mics and it's great. Like, you know, you can work stuff out. You meet comedians like you're hanging out there with them all day. So yeah. it's, you know, it's sick. But um, that place is gone now. Like, you know, they, they're out Down of business. Down fucking Austin now. Out of business and moved to Austin, which I think one of the worst, uh, like, I feel like that woman will do better, like Rebecca Trent, because it's more of an emerging market. Yeah, well, I feel like who, she'll you know, do great there. She'll uh, do better there than she will here. Well, I imagine sure. the rent was outrageous yeah, yeah. on top of the fact that there's so many sober comedians now, like completely, yes, yes. that uh, running a bar is less of a viable business model when you have mostly open micers. Yeah, and, you know, that was kind of like an open mic club. Yeah. And the Tiny Cupboard today is the new open mic club, it seems like to me. I don't know. Eastville is a little bit like that, but they also have really good shows on it. With, like, Janine Garofalo is doing a show there, and, like, Mark Norman does shows and stuff. Yeah. But... The tiny cupboard. I don't know. Like the only uh, comedian I've heard of is there. Okay, <laughs> Jesus. but um, who's this fucking Mark Norman guy? <laughs> you don't know? I, I've never heard of Mark Norman in my entire. Never, never heard of this guy. Are never you being seen sarcastic? His, yes, absolutely. Okay, I've, I've, Man, I fucking love favorites. Mark Norman. I'd be like, yo, come on. He's like I was listening favorite. to We Might Be Drunk earlier today. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I'm a huge twos gay. And also, <laughs> you know, I did a show uh, at the Comedy Bob at Stand Up yeah. New York. This was like three weeks ago. I went up like right before him, and oh my, it, it, that was the greatest set of my life. And like, I really like thank. God. I remember I was telling this to people yeah. at, at Eastville. I was like, H- 
having that four minutes on recording, if I never make it, at least I had that moment. I had that moment where I was at a club, a real comedy club with over a hundred people there. Yeah. And I did really fucking good. Like, Oh, you need to go to some of these smaller markets where a comedy club sits like 200 people. That's what I'm saying. You know, I don't know how, how do you get into doing well, like, a spot there? Like, like when I was in Fort Worth, uh, the hyenas in Fort Worth sits like two, 300. But like, like just do like a normal show there. Hell, even an open mic, you're using a room that seats at least like 70, 80 people. But can you like, let's say I'm like, uh, like there's a small club out here in Delaware. Do you think like like would you like call and be like, hey, can I feature this weekend and like I, pay me less than the guy you would normally pay? Well, as, or, if you or let me host, let me do just ten minutes on the top of the show and then pay me nothing, and, and I'll just take a road trip down there. Just just you know, a lot of in folks. Front of, I just want to be in front of a yeah. real audience. It's tough in New York City, you know. Like, well, uh, a lot of it has to do with whether or not they can sell tickets to it. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, one of the ways is you, uh, like submit your videos and stuff. Uh, some, uh, comedy club websites have that, uh, or you have a third party, like an agent or manager, mm -hmm. uh, submit stuff. Uh, you do a show, you get credits, that kind of thing. Yeah. And right now, I don't know about you, but I feel like I am just getting back on my feet. Yeah. Uh, I was having this conversation, uh, you know, uh, Levi, Oh, Levi yeah, White. Totally, yeah, uh, yeah. I was talking with him, and I said, like, I am just getting comfortable again, like, doing an open mic, trying out a bit. And it's like, I, I'm not really trying out a bit. I know the bit has worked for. I'm trying out one change of one line to see if that one line of that is better this way. Yeah. I, um, I can start with a bit. Does really well the first time. Second <laughs> time, not as good because they changed two words in it. Bop, um, bop, bop, go through the whole thing. I feel like, uh, like, I have an okay, kind of solid five minutes. And I've, so I've gotten that. And, you know, I, I've been doing back doing it post-pandemic since, like, May-ish. And, you know, yeah. now it's, like, late July. But, yeah, um, I get so much stage fright, even open mics. Uh, and, like... I have this five minutes now, and yeah. now I, I can't tell these jokes anymore at an open mic. Like, like it's so, and and it's nothing against other people, but like I don't want all everyone who's there, the other yeah. comedians, know these jokes. The jokes about me going to the doctor, the jokes about me having diabetes, the anime Twitter, the minute oh. rice, all like I'm sure you could even recall them. Like I like, know every bit that yeah, you're exactly. talking about. So like, I mean, that, I have the David Attenborough that, one that. <laughs> used every time I did it, it used to make people laugh over at like Eastville and stuff. And now it's just like, yeah, yeah. we know the joke. It's yeah, funny. Exactly. Go yeah. on. It's keep like, moving. It's like even I think if you spoke to the comedians, like and be like, guys, why didn't anyone laugh at my Grand Theft Auto joke? Like you guys used to laugh at that. Like we would all say, yeah. Well, we know it, dude. Like yeah. you know, like just do a new one. You know, like like like, like, like sorry, no, nothing against. It. It's not that it's not funny because that's the, like. I was thinking this five minutes is not even that funny. Like I, I don't even know if it's solid. Like, like I, I, I was going to the comedy mob show at Stand yeah. Up New York. I was so nervous. And uh, let, let, see, I was trying to say this about Mark Norman, but I, I meander. Um, but um, <laughs> I went up and did this set, uh, this five minutes, and it did really, really good. I get off stage and I come out of the showroom and I look to my left. Mark Norman is right there, and I'm like. Oh my God! I'm like, hey, Mark Norman, I'm a huge fan. I'm a Tuesday, 
fist bump him. Yeah. And I'm like, comedy. And he's like, yeah, comedy. And um, it was just, it was such a wonderful experience. But like, yeah, like, it's, it's so tough because like, you have to, yeah, you have to be a, a diligent writer uh, as a comedian. You know, like, I have, I have worked on this five minutes for months, and now it's it's okay, it's good, it can go in the bag. Don't ever say these fucking jokes again because yeah. no one's gonna laugh at them. But it's so scary to go up with like, okay, now I have nothing. Now yeah. I'm going up with all new random shit that like I I don't even know if it's it's like jumping into a freaking into a scary lake or something, you know, it's, it's, it's scary. It's like a leap of faith, you know? For me, uh, the biggest moment, uh, prior to the pandemic for me, any show or anything, I did this, uh, show in Denton, Texas, my college town. It was a Wednesday night. It was like this variety show, a friend of a friend put on there. Like, uh, there was a belly dancer and a band before me. There was another comic, and uh, then there was another band, and then finally oh me. God. I'm the next last guy for the band that was supposed to, like, headline this week's shit. And uh, they get into a car accident on the highway, so I am told to keep on going until they get there. I do about now, it's like 47, 48 minutes, something like that. No way. I'm a little over a year into this. So I am telling every joke that I have ever written. And I just keep on going. And the weirdest part, the weirdest part was I did well. That's, oh my God. Yo, um, (laughs) I would have, I, one year in, I'm telling you there's no human possibility I could have gone beyond five minutes. I would have started telling other people's jokes. I would have been like telling Cosby jokes. They're like, yeah. hey, everyone, listen, this guy's canceled. Yeah. These jokes are up for grabs. Uh, you know, like, it's like I did jokes uh, about being a Jew, like uh, <laughs> stuff about being in Texas. I did stuff about the college in town, the other college in town, uh, going uh, on these uh, road trips for work. Uh, the bad acid trip I had up in the Ozarks. The uh, I had a whole bit on a clown college massacre. I talked about animals and space and just every <laughs> single topic I could cover. It's like, oh, you know, yeah. um, that's that's something. That's you know, that's you got something there. You know, you 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 might. Have it was some, fucking terrifying. Like, yeah, but like every moment, um, it's just like. I had people coming up afterwards buying me drinks and I shit because like, um, a band was setting up. I, I, like, I'm a king. <laughs> but uh, I have an open mic to a, go to. <laughs> shit. You ever hear of Nicole Byer? I know the name. She's I can't like connect a, it. She's a comedian, a black actress, comedian. She apparently basically became an actress and got kind of TV work before she became a comedian. So Jeremy so she, Piven, minus the yes, uh, sexual like, assault on allegations. On a smaller scale. That's right, uh, Piven, we know. Uh, <laughs> but um, she apparently got on the show Girl Code and Guy Code, and you know she's on the show, and, mm-hmm. she's j- and then you know she's living in New York City, so she's like, I'm going to do stand-up open mics. These other people on the show are all comedians. All the yeah. funniest people are comedians. I have to be funny. Yeah. I'm going to be a comedian. So she's on the show. She's doing comedy. There are eventually colleges calling her. Yeah. Like, hey, you're on TV. We could sell out this room if you come and do an hour here. And she's like, ah, okay, I'll do it. And then, like, 
you know, she was like, I had no, I had nothing. Like I had maybe 10 minutes of it, yeah. 15. I don't know. And she's like, I had to go out there. I had to do everything that you could possibly pull. Like any, any joke. I was like pulling people on stage, dancing. I was like, put on this song. And then they would put it on and I would like dance. And then like, I would like sing along to stuff. I feel like, you know, I don't know. Like if you asked me to do it, mm-hmm. I like, what were you, when someone was like, Hey, stay on, like, did, you didn't know as you were going up that you were going to do more than, like, 15 minutes, right? I knew about two minutes before I was going up. Oh, oh my God. So, yeah, so <laughs> I would have been like, yeah, I'm not going up then. <laughs> or, like, I'm going to get off the 15 minutes. You can just, you know, do whatever you want. Like, like, like I was like, well, I, I'm, I couldn't possibly do it. Like, it's, it's a crazy, it's a, it's a great instinct to be like, all right, I'm going to do this. Seize the day. One of the reasons why I like doing this kind of thing. I I did a little bit of radio in college. I I can listen to my voice for hours because I sound magnificent. Oh, Uh, yes. (laughs) There's that ego and not, not in check at all, but no, it's just, I I like talking like with my family. uh, Like you call your mother on occasion, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, How long do you talk? (laughs) No, no, I'm saying minutes. So a conversation with my parents, just like I call them like once every other week or so, uh, that is, I have to put away a block of time because we just talk. You cannot shut us up. A dinner with my family, like when I was visiting my grandparents in Florida when I was a kid, a dinner was until they closed. We got there (laughs) for the early bird special. We stayed for the midnight special. See, I feel like part of that is because you are out here in the goddamn big city, and your family's all the way back there in Texas. It's so it's so crazy to me because, like, for me, yeah, I can drive fifteen minutes to see my mom and like five minutes to see my dad. You know, oh, I used to do the I same want, shit when, like, um, even when I moved home from college. Yeah, you know, <laughs> at a car, I was working on the road, and we just, especially when I was on the road, I just needed people to talk with. Yes, and I would get on the phone and. Five, six o'clock at night. I know my parents are off of work. And we just shoot the shit. Me and my dad, uh, like when I was a kid, we used to go to flea markets, real estate things. Uh, what was that? Estate sales. And yeah. uh, like we would have like one line that one of us would say, and we'd build an entire story off of that. <laughs> that was just like we'd make a whole funny bit out of just a single line. See, for me, it's like, you know, I'm around my family all the time. So there's so much familiarity. I'm seeing them constantly. They're always around me. You know, they call me anytime, come over, whatever. But, like, my girlfriend um, recently moved only from Queens to Long Island. This was just... Yeah, like, but Long Island sucks. Yeah. It, it, oh, as yes. As someone who's currently living there, it is horrific. We're eventually going to move back from Long Island to... Qu- we're moving to Queens. Yeah. I moved her out of Queens... And she gave it a chance. Oh, you're you're a terrible person. She I want gave, you to know that from the she, bottom of my heart. She <laughs> gave it a chance, and then we both were like, "This cannot continue. This is one of the worst. This might as well be Alabama out here." It's no, crazy. it's worse than Alabama. It's, Alabama, <laughs> you know, you know the cow shit you're stepping in in Alabama. Yeah. Oh, I mean, at least at least there's a splash of color in Alabama. Yeah, like, Long Island is the whitest place I've ever been in my life. On top of that, no, you see, okay, no, you see, you're wrong about that. It's not that it's white; it's 
It's completely, and this is not wrong. If anyone takes the, someone might listen to this, I know. If you take it, Denim, says, Denim already Islanders. said, I'm not sure if this is racist, but so we're already, we've already <laughs> no, broken no, no. that seal. I know I'm not racist. I don't even have <laughs> to ask that question. But, um, you know, Long Island is not all white. There's plenty of, you know, people of color, black people, Latinos, but it yeah, is. Yeah, but a, they're burning crosses on their no, front lawns. No, it, it's an extremely segregated yeah. area. Like, and they were completely open about it, you know, before any type of suffrage movements or, or whatever, uh, you know, civil rights movements. They were, they were like, yeah, Hempstead is for where the black people stay. And, you know, and, and Levittown, no, we don't let black, uh, what black people or Latinos move to Levittown. Only white people allowed. And it's like, it's a known thing. And, you know, there was uh, like, uh, and, you know, like, see, that was a little bit of, but a bit of an aside, but, you know, I moved my girlfriend out to Long Island and I, it's, I'm telling you just from that, you should know, like that story of it being, I'm telling you almost, almost an openly segregated, uh, community. It's a, it's a terrible place to live. It stinks. It's, it's annoying. People are very nosy. It's just all in your business. Yeah. It's, it's a little unbelievable. So you know, her moving out here, and also it's very lonely, you know, like you're in the suburbs, you do live close to other people, but it's not as communal as New York City, Brooklyn, Queens. Well, one of the weirdest things about this place for me, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it before, uh, people always talk about like how aggressive and angry the city is. It's not. (laughs) It's just that if you give a shit about every single person here to any extent, you're going to go crazy. Exactly. But any, like, real person-to-person conversation, some of the nicest people I've exactly. ever met in my life. And some people are, I don't know if they're looking for trouble. Because, like, if you keep to yourself, go about your business, walk through the city, and do not look people in the eyes, give people weird looks, say weird things, you will be completely fine. Yeah, in just most, don't be a, don't yeah, be a exactly. jackass. Don't, but people walk around here like jackasses because, like, some of them are here on vacation and everything. But, you know... Her moving from Long Island or from Queens, she will get on the phone with her parents yeah. and go into our room and be like, "I'm gonna be, <laughs> I'm gonna be out of commission for like four hours because me, me and my mom, we, you know, like they they have these dialogues, just like, so what have you been doing? Oh man, I have this story. Oh, I gotta tell you about this story. This oh man, Dave, he's so crazy. He's working me like crazy. It's crazy. I like, mean, my mom and I, we spent twenty minutes shitting on Greg Abbott. <laughs> And, you know, like, I feel like it's... My aunt calls him wheel... Uh, was that? Hot Wheels. That com- <laughs> that has to come from a lot of, like, separation. Where, like, like, I feel like if you talk to Denim and you're like, hey, what's the longest conversation you've had with your dad? He's living with his dad. Yeah. That's, that's got to be contentious. It, it's, uh, you know, like, his, his, his dad kind of reminds me of my dad a little bit. Like, my dad's a lawyer yeah. and, like, you know, a very extremely accomplished guy. I'm kind of a, you know, weirdo. I'm, I want to be a comedian. He's a lawyer, you know? So, like... He even, Denim's joke where he goes, you know, my dad is like, gi- you know, giving me dating advice. Yeah. And he's like, come on, you just put yourself out there. Get yourself out there. And it's like, dad, you're a doctor. Yeah. You know, like, you get laid effortlessly. I'm a comedian. I'm a loser. Like, people don't even like me, you know? Like, my dad had, like, I feel that way about him. Like, he, my dad gets laid way more than I do. It's crazy. He's like an international man of mystery, this guy, you know? And, um... I forgot what I, oh yeah, just to, like you know, us being close in terms of proximity, really, you know, I'm talking to him constantly. Whereas like Joanna, my my girlfriend, like because 
there's that separation. Like yeah. they, they, you know, they have to catch up for hours and hours. And I, I can't even imagine what it's like to be living here in New York and you're from Texas. Like I, I can't even, huh. I, I'm, I'm living, you know, I mean, 10 miles away from where I was born. So like, uh, before I was, uh, even here, like I would hang out with, uh, couple of buddies or something pretty much every night because most of them were comedians or yeah. com- they were comedian adjacent and a conversation would usually be like without a pause in it usually a few hours long yeah <laughs> i i come from a place where people have uh like people i know and people i enjoy to be around it's we're talkers we like yeah. to like to share stories, ideas, that kind of thing. It's it's fun. See, my home life dinner table was a lot more like that. And I think I lost it. And, you know, I feel like the, being a comedian is, is such a great outlet for it. Because I'm another person where, like, my girlfriend will be like, would you please shut up? Like, you've been yeah. talking and ranting about nothing. Like, I'll, I'll, we'll be driving and I'll turn the music down and be like, yo, I, I saw this movie. It's amazing. And I'll just go off on it. Like, I'll basically yeah. recap the entire film. You know, I'll be like, yeah, you know, uh, Big Lebowski is this guy, the dude. He's so cool. He doesn't give a He's just like, eh, whatever happens. You know, he's so cool. I wish I could be like that. You know, yeah. and I'm just like talking and talking. And, you know, I feel like, yeah, you know, people like us, you know, comedy is our thing, I think. And, and even like, it's weird how like podcasting is. I feel like it's going to be so much more of a comedian's life than ever before. Like, like it's a it's a brand new thing, but I really feel like, you know, if you really want to get to know a comedian, do you really just watch his stand up sets? Because you're not really getting. Because like even he will tell you, ah, this is mostly jokes. I don't even like. I would literally say anything to get this. Crap now, there's away. one comedian we really didn't know who didn't <laughs> have a podcast. Of course, I'm talking about Andrew Dice Clay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So not, not that Cosby guy. That's a, but Andrew Dice Clay is a persona. I feel like podcasting is where you really get to know a comedian and who he is and what he likes. Yeah. And, and so I feel you know like I really have to like like you know I'm looking at, at all you know this your little setup here and I'm like I got to get it going because like pe- that's going to be the new thing. I feel like that like people are going to want to. I feel to like know, it already is the thing. Yeah, like people. They're like, yeah, your stand-up sets are great. You're funny, but, like, who are you? And, like, you know, they want to listen to these podcasts to, like, get to know who the man behind the stupid jokes are. And, you know, this is, you know, I'm just, I'm ready for it. I I want to do it How many jokes do I have about shitting? And it's just like, I'm so much more than my bowel movements. Yes, yo, I have, like, (laughs) good takes. I could could talk for two hours, and I I could say good stuff. You know, it's not just just these weird jokes. Not just uh, (laughs) obscure references to movies that no one has seen on stage. (laughs) I'm still saying that uh, more people should watch watch some of those movies I've mentioned. What, um, (laughs) do you still get stage fright at all? Or you kind of past that? That was kind of... I had that coming back to it. I definitely had that. Like, I would get nervous when I heard my name called out of Mike's. Like, oh, I better have this right. But when, like I said, uh, I don't mind bombing now. I completely, when I'm at an open mic, it's like I'm working on this one joke. I don't give a shit about the other four minutes. The other four minutes are fine. They've worked before. I have this one line and one joke. That could make it so yeah. much better or ruin it. We're going to find out where it stands. I'll tell you what. 
See, the fact that you say that you don't mind bombing, like, I just, I wish I could have that mentality. Because, like, I feel like... Oh, I, I don't want to bomb. Yeah, no, I know. But, like, I get out there and, like, I'm taking it personally. Yeah. But, like, um, I don't even know when this was. It was at Eastville. I think it was uh, a Thursday. This might have been, like, this past Thursday. You were definitely there. You were definitely there. But... Um, wasn't this last week? Didn't go to Eastville this last week. Must have been the week before. Yeah, but I, I bombed so fucking badly. It was crazy. I remember right before... I remember, like, this this girl with a guitar came up. Oh, yeah. She, she did really good. But I'm going to be honest, and honestly, no hate. I was on in the moment. I was angry. I was upset. I was bitter. Um, because, like, it seemed like everyone was bombing the mic. And I was like, yeah. oh, I'm walking into a buzzsaw. And then, you know, we're going throughout the mic. My name is not getting called. So I'm like, I'm going to be in the last group. This is... This is even beyond, like, if I was in the middle group, I would have gotten chuckles. Now I'm going to get nothing. Yeah. Like, nothing. I'm in the last group. This girl with a guitar goes up, and she's like, anyone like John Lennon? Yeah, John Lennon. And then she starts playing just, like, three random chords. Like, I, I ah. thought she would play, uh, you know, a John Lennon song. And then she's like, uh, you ever think about, like, what would happen if, like, a beaver was, you know, so-and-so away and blah, 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 blah. You know, wouldn't that be weird? Imagine. And that was a joke. And everyone was laughing at it. And I was like, this is a bunch of crap. I was like, this stinks. Well, yeah, she's not, like, a, she's not a pure comedian because she has a guitar. That, you know, <laughs> honestly, that's what I thought. And it's not a nice thing oh, to yeah, say. Oh, yeah, it's not a nice like, thing to say like, or think. But, but you I'm know that's you, in you. In my head, I'm, it yeah. was in, in my head, I was like, oh, yeah, you know what? I fucking, I'll learn three chords. Oh, wait, I already know three chords. I'll just play three random chords and sing a... Song that makes no fucking sense, and then I'll get laughs. That, That's great, everyone. There was That's this one cool. guy I used to see randomly open mics, a uh, couple of shows to like pre pandemic. He'd go on stage, he'd play whatever piano they had there, he'd bring his own, and he would sing like these silly songs. And it's like, not, not the best stuff I've ever heard. But he would kill. No. And inevitably, inevitably, I was lined up after him. It's it's like, that is talent. I, it's, it's not. Oh, yeah, I'm not saying it's not. But it's just, I hate you. Fuck you. Yeah, be I'm, a comic. I am Say jealous. words. Don't sing words. I'm jealous. Oh, yeah. That you have the capability to do that. Because, like, even, like, I can play guitar pretty, like, decently. Like, yeah. You know, I'd say Levi White. I've actually seen a video of him on Instagram. Yeah. He shreds. He's really, really good. But I'm okay at guitar. I feel like I could play those chords that she was playing, but I could never sing and play at the same time. Ah. I don't know what – it's a weird thing, like, where, like, it's, it's, hard, it's hard. I don't know, like, it's difficult. And she went up there and did it. I was hating on her before I even went up. And yeah. So, like, I'm telling you, I, I should have known this was going to happen. Like, I even – the day as I was leaving, I was like, I don't even feel funny, and I have nothing. And, like, like I was telling my girlfriend, she's like, don't go. And I was like, no, I have to go. Like, yeah. This is what comedy is all about. I have to, like, push through the pain and just go. So I go and I get on stage. I bomb so bad, like, <coughs> I almost had, like, a tantrum about it. Like, eventually I'm like, like, and I think maybe I got a couple of chuckles. I, I don't know who was in the room or whatever, but, like, it was rough. Like, yeah. but it was the last group. It's a Thursday. We want to get out of here. It's, per, it's It was extremely hot outside. I get out. I'm having a temper tantrum. Like, when I get off stage, yeah. I'll, I'll run out of the room, and I'll call my girlfriend almost every time just yeah. to recap it. You know, like, she helps me to ground me a little bit. 
where I'm like, yeah, you know, I think it went pretty good. You know, this all oh, this new joke went pretty good. I call her and I'm like, honestly, like I should kill myself. Like I, I'm pissed off. I'm fucking pissed. And like I see on the street the girl with the guitar is talking to another comic. And I think yeah. the other comic was probably like, wow, that was really good. You know, that was a great set. And I was like, I was on the phone with my girlfriend, like, do you see this fucking shit? Oh yeah, oh yeah, play three chords and then tell jokes that are fucking terrible. And that's why you get laughs. That's fucking stupid. I was like, she's terrible. And it's fucking ridiculous that they won't laugh at me. It's crazy. And like, once I'm once I'm in like an hour removed from that, yeah. I'm like, oh my God, I'm such a weirdo. Like, I'm a baby. Like, what am I? I can't, you know, I would, I, yeah. I can't react. It, it's it's not a good way to react as a comedian because even the best comedians bomb with their best shit. Yeah. So like, you know, like where you said, I'm actually totally fine with bombing. You know, like I, I'm ready for it. I'll If I have to bomb, I'll bomb. Like well, there was, uh, for me, I take it personally. It's stupid. I got to get over that, you know? There was one night in particular recently... All of this goes back to Eastville because that's the one we go to the most. Uh, yeah. There was uh, <laughs> this one uh, comic. They went up. They told uh, really old hacky stuff. Like I knew the jokes because <laughs> I'd heard them since I was a kid. And then later on, before I went up, another comic goes up and tells jokes that I know are from uh, like these four other comics, like big name ones. And, <laughs> Once in, does really well. And I go up, and it's already late. And I bomb. And because I... It's partially because I was focused on how well they did, despite <laughs> uh, one telling, like, street jokes, like old ones that you've heard before, and the other person taking other people's jokes... And then, just like, hey, no. Oh. I'm just an asshole. I actually, I know the jokes work because I've done them before. Mm -hmm. They've gotten laughs. I've said them this way. I've said them that way. They always get laughs. I'm just being a dick. Was this at an open mic? Yeah. And uh, there's so you see, I, I have much more of a reason to be mad at, like, I shouldn't be mad at a person who's playing with a guitar. Like, that's not a reason. But, like, a person stealing jokes, that's actually, like, fuck up. Like, like, I saw, I went to this open mic. It's called, like, the Wednesday Comedy Workout. Yeah. They're on Instagram, um, a mostly black open mic. And, dude, I bombed there so fucking hard that it was crazy. And, uh, like, this was, like, early, early on. And, like, yeah. I had a joke where I was, like, oh, I have, he's, like, you guys have pubic hair? I I have hair on the shaft of my penis and like like and like that was the first joke I did. Yeah, they just would not go with me. The host came up to me and like her name was Joanne. I remember because yeah. it's my girlfriend's name, and she was like, "Yeah, you know, honestly, like black people are not that into gross out humor. Yeah, you know, like they're really into like making fun of stuff. You know, like you had that whole thing about how your mother is Latino, but like you look white. You should have started off with that. That kind of like even if you did the gross out joke, it might have done better like at the end. You know, yeah. but like." <laughs> but like aside from that there was a kid who went up he's yeah. like 18 years old 19 years yeah. old he did like word for word the n words versus n words from from Chris Rock yeah, from yeah. the pain like word for word the bit he and it was crazy how silent it was like it was like dead silence and then this other comic comes up and goes 
Yeah, y'all didn't know. Y'all thought we would laugh at that damn Chris Rock shit you were trying to steal. What the fuck was that, you know? What <laughs> the fuck was that shit you were trying to steal shit? The room was going crazy. Like, yeah! I, it, was, it was all... They, were, they straight up called him I, out for that, you know? It was crazy. Well, it's one of those things they... Uh, a lot of white comics will not do a black room or they don't know about it. And those are some of the most intensely funny places to be. Yes. Oh, my God. Like, like you know, I'll go to Eastville and I'll feel bad. I'll be like, man, so many people are better than me right now. Like, it, it sucks. But, like, there, it's, like, ridiculous. you got to be first funny. you got to be really yeah, fucking funny. First of all, they don't laugh at no hacky bullshit. Not, like, I feel like the comedy has to come from the heart. But, but no, here's the thing. Not that they won't even la- not laugh at hacky bullshit. They, yeah. I guess they will. Yeah. But my hacky bullshit is not theirs. Theirs is like from their black experience. I'm a white guy. Like all my hack stuff is like, uh, my mother-in-law, right? Uh, you know, it's all stuff being white. Am I right? You know, like all this white crap. Like th- their hack material is like, oh, yeah, my dad ran out on me. All this like, you know, yeah. stupid crap. Like, you know, that's borderline stereotypical, but like. You really, like, I don't know, I feel like as a white comic, you have to, like, come from the heart more, like, and be more genuine. Like, they really can sniff out bullshit, a black audience more. Like, white audiences, they love bullshit. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they love it. They like, eat that shit up. They want it, you know? Uh, I remember uh, doing one room, uh, black room, and I was doing bits about my family, <laughs> and uh, it's just like, so I'm a Jew. <laughs> and it's like... I went back later on and did a whole bit about, like, uh, I'm a Jew. The neighborhood I grew up in, it's, like, uh, Hispanic and black, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Made jokes about being the only white guy there. That got laughs because I was talking about my real experience growing up. And it's like, I'll ever have anyone ask you about uh, your horns. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, that was something that actually had happened to me in the middle of a class, just... Yeah, yeah, that's that's some wacky stuff. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know, tough, tough, tough rooms. Oh yeah, yeah. but um, hold on, you know what? What? I'm not being able to stop thinking about this. I gotta go to the bathroom. Okay, thank it? God. Hey, yeah, so we uh, we both had to get up for a minute. Uh, we'd been talking for a couple hours, uh, and uh, well, both of us need to take a piss. Uh, that's that's just the uh, long and short of it, but. Uh, yeah, we're about to get back into the conversation. If you have anything else you need to do right now, this is a good place to pause it because we're going to come right back. Uh, normally, in most podcasts, it's be where you hear anything from our sponsors or uh, who this podcast is brought to you by. But in this case, the only thing this podcast is brought to you by is uh, copious amounts of caffeine. Uh, that's about it. Now, let's get back to the show. We're talking a lot about comedy, man. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when we started this and we were going to talk about movies? Yeah, but you know what? We, we kind of meandered out of that real I, fast, I could, didn't we? I could, you know, honestly, <laughs> I could go right back. I could talk for hours about Chinatown because, uh, yeah, just such a fantastic film and such an amazing ending because, you know, all the other, you know, most other movies... Have a happy ending. That one had a, like a what? Like, like you know, it was originally going to be a trilogy. 
Oh, really? Uh, there's actually another movie made by a whole other group of people called uh, The Two Jakes. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was talking to my dad about this months ago, and he brought up, uh, yeah, I just watched Chinatown again. Uh, then I watched The Two Jakes. He mentioned it, and it's like, I don't know what that is. Stop. <laughs> I know Chinatown. I know of it. It's famous. Roman Polanski, all of that. Yeah. But uh, apparently the Two Jakes was another movie was was in the same universe but made by someone else. Yeah. Uh, you know what happened is uh, I think by the time the movie came out, Roman Polanski already had to flee the country. I wouldn't be surprised. To, uh, it was yeah, the uh, 1970s when yeah. that came out. I don't remember if it was 1974 or 1977, but apparently by that time, like uh, Roman Polanski wasn't even at the premiere. He was, oh shit! Uh, yeah, I had he, no he had idea. Flown, uh, For some reason, I thought that was so much more recent. Yeah, no, 1974. Yeah, so imagine that. I mean, and and the thing is, it's so weird in, in Hollywood how they're like, "Hey, still make movies? What do we know? We don't know what happened there." And well, like, apparently, Jack Nicholson knows. He's like, "Yeah, oh, he, he did rape that woman. He raped well, her." There, <laughs> like, there's like, that and. On top of that, you have his whole family murdered by the Mansons. Um, that's a, that's a part of it where I feel like uh, the people in Hollywood must have been like, you know, this guy's made amazing movies. He's very talented, and he had a really horrible, traumatic thing happen to him. So can we let this slide? You know, can we let that? And it's it's weird to say, especially now in a day and age where like all these sexual assaults and everything. It's it's all yeah. it's all coming to light, and you know people are finding out about all this stuff, and it's more way more known than it was back then, but you know, I think maybe even people at large were like, yeah, you know, look at it, they have rock stars banging teenagers and all this, and this guy is experienced probably one of the most like harrowing tragedies that I could even imagine. It's crazy, you know. Well, I mean, even uh, with other directors and stuff. Uh, Woody Allen, in uh, a couple of his movies, people were talking about, like, uh, uh, Annie Hall. There's this scene when he's in a car with his friend, and he's like, two of them. They were 15. They were 15. And it's just like, yeah. They're yeah. both excited by that number. And it's like, hey, that's, that's creepy. One of the, I think that's one of, like, the early, that's one of the earliest lines in the movie. It's like, it's like how it starts out. And I don't know, like, personally, I don't get it. <laughs> I'm not a big Woody Allen fan in any way. Um, and it's it's a little weird because, like, I'm such a big Larry David fan. Yeah. And I feel like Larry David is almost, you know, kind of the next Woody in a lot of ways, just like that neurotic, you know, Jewish character who is, like, hilarious. And, and you know, he uh, riffs on the everyday, but even... Modern day Woody Allen movies are like uh, they aren't quite the same as the old ones because you have uh, what would you say is his best? Uh, honestly, I haven't seen enough of them to oh. say I've only seen like two or three. Yeah, I uh, I, remember. I I didn't really like any of them. Annie Hall, everybody that I know, especially when I was in film school, they were talking about yeah Woody Allen is blah, blah, blah. and she's like I watched it, wasn't that good? Really? Oh, you you know what? See, I watched that movie. I, I I don't know if it was Annie Hall or if it was Manhattan, but yeah, I'm pretty sure 99 percent was Annie Hall. And like, 
there's one scene where he is he's like a stand-up comedian and he's like uh they're like all right it's gonna be the band and then the comedian and then you He's like, well, oh, well, I'm a comedian, you know. I, yeah, yeah. I don't like to follow other comedians. And then, like, he breaks the fourth wall. He looks at the camera. <laughs> yeah, it's Annie Hall. Teenage, yeah, yeah. And, like, he does that at the movie theater. I was just like, all right. Uh, you know, I, I get what he did. You yeah. Know, like, I, I totally get the impact of his film. But I get I it, but. I don't know if I find it funny at all. Like, <laughs> like, oh, I get it. I just didn't like it. Yeah. Like, That's one of those things that. Uh, I'm sure he's one of like the earliest comedians to do that, to break the fourth wall, to speak directly to the screen and the audience. But, you know, it's like, all right, how funny is that? Was that the most mind-blowing? <laughs> like, like, I get it was mind-blowing when you saw it in the 70s, but I don't know. It doesn't doesn't hold up like goddamn Chinatown. I mean, like, The Graduate, I, I was not able to finish. Oh, really? You know? I, I am such... An asshole when it comes to movies, yeah, especially about the same romantic relationships. And it's like, this is nothing like any kind of relationship I have ever experienced. This all seems kind of bullshitty. I remember, like, the night before when I was coming yeah. here, I was like, I, I'm a little worried because, like, I'm worried that this guy likes every one of these movies. Maybe he does, but, like, I ha- I hated Inherited Fire. I did not I, like it. I, I really felt like I had to sit through it, and I didn't like it. And it's uncharacteristic. I, I love Paul Thomas Yeah, Anderson. that's it's considered... The least, uh, I think it's considered one of the least uh, PTA of the PTA yeah, movies. But, you know. It doesn't, oh, all of them are, like, let's look at There Will Be Blood. Yes. That movie is amazing. I remember yeah. watching with my family when it first came out on DVD, and my parents hated it. What? Uh, oh, that's so weird. Uh, it's, what? <laughs> um. My brother watched it with us, and as he put it, I just didn't get it. No, but, like. Some people, if they're movie buffs, they like every movie. And any movie that had any type of impact, if you talk bad about it, they're going to be like, what the hell? You didn't like Inherent Fire? Oh, yeah, I was... Paul Thomas Anderson, he's at a class... uh, And it's like, okay, come on, dude. Like, some movies suck, dude. I was in film school, man. Yeah, yeah. You know how terrible that... The worst one was my uh, feminist film theory class. I... Oh, no, it's like... Oh, no, I I understand where you're coming from with this, uh, but... There was one movie in particular where uh, it's just like, this isn't feminism. It's literally just an old woman killing uh, these guys who are hitting on women. It wasn't even like they were... Uh, what are you talking about Monster? No, it's this, like, uh, it's some foreign movie. Have you seen Monster, though, with uh, Charlize? Uh, no, but I heard it, was, heard it was a good movie. It's, you see, it's it's a little, and it reminds me of that, yeah. of what you just said. Like, I feel like the director must have taken something from that because, like, in Monster, uh, this woman is a prostitute. Yeah. And she is, like, it's, she's living a horrible life. It's true. She's been abused by men yeah. and all this. But, like, she's going out and killing Johns. Like, yeah. like, people will pay her to have sex and maybe, like, a guy will be a little too rough with her and she'll just kill him. And then it eventually gets to the point where she's just, like, killing men who just like you know want to fuck her yeah like and they're a little creepy about it like and there's like one guy who like kind of like she stops herself because like he hires her and then she gets in the car and she's like ready she's like oh, i'm gonna fucking kill this guy and then the guy's kind of like very sullen and quiet so she's like what's up? what's up with this guy and then the guy starts crying mm-hmm. and she's like what the fuck and he's like i'm so sorry i just my wife has died I've not been with a woman for so long. And it's a very sad scene. She lets him go because, you know, she feels pity for him. But yeah. 
throughout the movie, she is murdering men almost for no reason, almost for like offhand, like, hey, you stupid bitch, get the fuck out of the way. And then she uh, kills this guy. Well, in it's the like, movie I that- watched, it was literally just this guy. It was a scene where this guy like asked out uh, one of the female leads in it like three, four times <laughs> and started like bringing her flowers and stuff. You know, not entirely creepy, but off-putting. Yeah. So this old woman just murders him. <laughs> and it's one of those moments where it's like, see, this is uh, what, uh, this is a uh, true feminist thing because women, especially matriarchal figures looking out for uh, the younger women, and it's like, no, this is a woman just murdering people. Yeah, you There's know. a limit to it. It's one thing like, oh, yeah, if they did something heinous, yeah, I get it. Or even not that heinous, I, I would heard, get it. But if it's um, just like, hey, you want to go out? Ah, <laughs> oh, no, thank you. Are you sure? Yeah. All right, honey, we're going to make sure he doesn't ask you out. Yeah. <laughs> He'll never ask you out again. But I got a lot of shit in that class, and uh, one of my classes was about, uh, like, the professor, he was talking about, like, the symbolism and the syllogistics and all that stuff of horror movies. And I'm not a big horror movie fan because unless it's a good one, yeah. it's just campy so and true. silly. Yeah, and it's exactly right. And they're so, they're all so derivative of that like campiness instead of like, of the good, like it's, it's weird how like, like, uh, you know, you have the exorcist and you have Rosemary's baby and you have, uh, what are, the shining and all even like, more recently, Midsummer and Hereditary. These are fantastically made horror movies. They're almost on their own good movies, like, without horror elements to them. Like, it's an interesting thing in Hereditary how they explore, you know, inherited things and, you know, inherited psychological yeah. things. But, you know, most of it is just a bunch of crap. Most of it is like, hey, instead of trying to be like those movies, let's try and be like Friday the 13th. We'll get a bunch of young, hot kids and we'll stab them. We'll stab them all to death. And it's like, that. we, we know how this is going to end. One girl's going to survive, and she's going to kill the killer, unmask him. Oh, it's my boyfriend. He's But he was, a, I don't know, crazy, yeah. creepy. Like, it's weird how the, the horror movie genre, like, I feel like, like people who are horror movie fans are always like, man, we get no respect. Horror movies are never nominated. Yeah, it's because most act. of them are terrible. It's like, exactly. It's because, like, 99% of it is, like, unwatchable crap. Like, you know, like... like you, you need to get a better percentage rate than when you're, you know, before you get an Oscar. Yeah. I think I, so. Yeah. But, um. If oh. you're batting, if you're batting like a hundred. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe try a little bit harder. Yeah, but, um. I may have worked on enough of those movies. With the feminist thing, feminism is very weird. I, I feel like I heard a guy, um, was on the Legion of Skanks. I think it was Dave Smith say, "Yeah, that like it's it's weird how feminism takes the worst parts of masculinity and then uses it and say that's feminism." It's like you know, it's it's much more masculine of a character trait in a movie for a man to be going around killing people who yeah. have, who have wronged women, even in a small way. It's just much a more masculine thing, and then they this professor is presenting it to you saying this is what feminism is yeah. killing men and it's like that's not even a female characteristic 
That's not even a characteristic of it. Like, like women that's are not, not the feminine characteristic. Yeah, you, You're supposed to rely on the man for that. Yeah, so that's women are what not is killers. Traditionally, but but the, it's it's weird how like feminism wants to go against the grain. Like we watch another movie about that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh no, this one makes much more sense because like, oh yeah, the woman is actually trying to take a stance and all that. The, and I agreed with it, but I was told I don't understand what. <laughs> It's just. I, it's like no. I read the whole textbook. I listened to you in class. I I get. It's like oh yes, feminism is about the aggression of rights of women and their place in society, being more respected, and being able to take the place of uh, men in certain positions and equal rates, and being able to express themselves freely. All that stuff. I understand it. I can conceptualize it. But there's this thing where. Uh, especially once you get into the arts. Yeah, like, when you're looking at, like, woke stuff now, I, it, it's a lot of women who are, like, using, like, and I don't even know if they know they're doing it, they're using, like, racist and, and like, toxic masculinity against us and saying, no, this is, this is anti-racism. No, this is, this is anti, uh, or this is feminism. Like, like, where you'll generalize horribly about, make a terrible general statement. Like, when you say all cops are bastards, that's like, it's offensive to me, like, deeply. Like, like my cousin is a cop. He's not a bastard. He's not a bad guy. Like, and that whole philosophy is like, no, he might be a good cop, but, like, you know, he he doesn't stand, he doesn't call out the, all the bad. So he's part of the problem. He is, he is a bastard. And it's like, that type of generalization... That's wrong. If, if I had that type of generalization about another about a group of people, that would be wrong. You're using a, a tactic of racism to combat racism. It's and like, how do you not see that? Like, don't you see that? And it's weird, you know. Like, like well, I think I, the argument there is that cops aren't a race, but I, I know <laughs> yeah, what you're getting yeah, at. Yeah, but it's uh, just, it, and it's true. But like, that's another thing. You can't make a generalized statement about a group of people who are not even are one race. You're you're like making up a stereotype that they're all bastards. They're not, dude. Like there are a lot of good cops out there. This is just a bunch of assholes. And now this podcast yeah. has been canceled. Nope. After nope. that, after we're that statement, just, oh my god, thinkers. oh my god, we, we're free thinkers. I'm Spotify you. has pulled this. No, Pocket uh, Cast just pulled us off. Oh we, my god, we. If we have to cut it out, we'll cut it out. All right, we're leaving that in there. Really? This Fine. is more entertaining. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. No, but no. Oh, come on. No, I feel self conscious. I oh, I don't, don't feel self conscious. Yeah. I've said worse things. I don't want to feel like, but I just feel like making a generalized statement like that. It's it's yeah. That's I feel like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I'm right, but it, it's, a, it's a thought I had, and I I voiced uh, yeah. it. You know. Oh yeah. But, well, yeah. Um, I mean, we just bash feminism pretty hard and right there. Yeah. <laughs> so you know what? I'll bash feminism more. And I'll say, like, another tactic is just canceling people that they say a joke you don't like. Like, all right, we can't. And, and just, like, kicking people off Twitter, keep off Facebook. That's what we did to you. Like, men were silencing women. People were like, Thank Wh God white men still <laughs> run the internet. Women were, women, you know, back in the day in the suffrage movements were like, we want rights, we want to vote. And then there were men who were like, shut the fuck up. Like, get out of here. No, no. Silenced, no. And like, you know, it's weird. You know, canceling uh, someone for jokes, 
I don't like one it. Of, one <laughs> of the things that I just <laughs> never understood, like on Twitter and things, uh, like uh, I I kept my Twitter page in particular because uh, there's two guys I love to watch, and one of them is uh, this incredibly left-wing, absolutely batshit crazy guy. You know, those people who it's it seems like satire. <laughs> and the other guy... <laughs> Holy right wing, uh, super Christian, trying to become a preacher, all this shit. And those are my two favorite people. And it's the only reason why I kept a Twitter for the longest time, because that that's the content I want to see. If I didn't want to see that, I can just go, boop, mm-hmm. and I'm unfollowed. Yeah. It's like, I, I don't want to see that anymore. Cool. Sometimes I feel like, uh, what was I going to say? Like, people think that, you know, like, no one trusts anyone to be smart for themselves sometimes. Like, uh, like uh, you know, with, like, disinformation, stuff like that, they're like, oh, you know what? You actually voted for Trump because you were tricked into doing it. Because yeah, Russian... Turn the mic towards oh, you. Oh, sorry, yeah. Yeah. Because Russian bots went on Twitter and put a bunch of lies up there, and you believed it. You were tricked into... And it's like... Don't you trust that people are smart enough to know when things... Well, like, people... Like, don't put that Trump was elected because people are stupid or they were tricked by some crap on Twitter. Like, these are mostly adults voting. Well, like, you mem- know... Remember... Uh, it's silly. Remember, like, 20 minutes ago, in the little break we had, and yeah. you said you needed to listen to more Carlin? Uh, yeah, there's a bit that George Carlin has. Mm-hmm. Uh, think about how smart the average person is. Half <laughs> of them are dumber than that. <laughs> and I'm not saying I'm a bright guy. I'm saying, like, I I fall in the bell curve mm-hmm. right there in the center, yeah. like somewhere around average. I know if it's, like, near the middle of it or on the other side, we don't know. But uh, I don't think I'm that bright of a guy. And it's just like, oh, no, this, this seems ridiculous. But a lot of... People don't follow him there. And it's it's similar to what a lot of people say about, like, this group or that group, the uh, generalizations. Because uh, let's look at uh, people saying, like, oh, all Muslims are violent. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, no, like, no, no, they aren't. Just a very, very small oh percentage. God. Think about how many people you know personally who, like, diehard Trump people. Yeah, Totally. Yeah. You don't really know too many. It's just oh, that there's I do. A, oh, I do. Well, yeah, you live <laughs> I mean, in Long Island. I live on Long Island, so yeah. I, I know. But them. I know exactly what they're saying. I, but yeah. the thing Even is, my, is my that my girlfriend's dad. Yeah, like the majority of people who vote for him is like, oh no, I just thought he was a better candidate. That was yeah. it. That was the entire That's, argument. It's a hundred. Yeah, uh, I'll tell you what. Um, my girlfriend's dad. Got completely like sucked into the drama, yeah, conspiracy theories, and you know, some, I mean, yeah. my mom still thinks Obama walks on water. <laughs> yeah, so you know, my girlfriend's dad, you know, listens to Alex Jones, so he hated Obama. I listen to Alex Jones. I What's also, wrong with that? I, I, you know, I love Alex Jones. He's, he's fucking insane, he's, he's, and I love letting, every minute of it. He's letting the world know what's going on. If you but, listen you to know. it, like you used to listen to, like the Colbert Report, watch that. It falls in the same kind of category where it's yeah. like, oh, he's crazy, yeah. but he's entertaining. Yeah, shit. Yeah. He really, it really is. He really is. And he has, you know, nuggets of truth in there. You got, it's, it's crazy sometimes. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
weird nuggets of yeah, truth. You sift through yeah. horse shit long enough, you'll find some He's, kernels yeah, of corn. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. And, um, and you know, so he kind of got more sucked into the drama. He, uh, you know, voted for Trump because he hated Hillary. And he got caught up in the whole media thing of it. Yeah. My dad is a lawyer. He, My dad is a former uh, New York State Assemblyman. Um for the state of New York, so like Jesus you know, Christ, what are you doing in my shit ass apartment? Hey, you know I'm a, I'm a man of the people, and um, but you know my dad voted for Trump because he ran as a Republican for you know he was a, he was a, an elected official for 15 years yeah. in Albany, and you know the Republican Party basically changed his life. You know his life wouldn't have been you know is the same as it is now if not for him running as a Republican. You know, yeah. And when when I was growing up. I never saw my dad ever give a shit about abortion or ever give a shit about, like, these weird creationism or, you know, these weird issues that the right wing gets into. It was a lot of, like, we live on Long Island. We have the highest tax bracket in the country. Yeah. You're thinking, is that higher than Beverly Hills? Yeah, it's higher than Beverly Hills in Long Island. Yeah. So, you know... He was like, we have to lower taxes, just so common sense things. We want to have, you know, a little more social programs for seniors. We want to have better schools. You know, there was an area, Elmont, that had like a bad, you know, it was a kind of a bad area with a bad school. Yeah. And, you know, that that's what I always thought Republicanism was. I, I didn't know, like, there was this whole, like, racist facet to it. And, like, yeah, my dad voted for Trump, but, like, I don't think that he was, like, Oh, I loved when he said, grab him by the pussy. That was awesome. Like, you know, my, my dad is a very distinguished guy who, you know, works really hard, you know, t- to, you know, yeah. do, do what he does. And, um, you know, it's just, it's weird. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's, uh, it makes an appearance in most of them. It's kind of fun. <laughs> hey, it's an element of the show. Yeah. <laughs> we can't expect to, you know, we yeah. can't expect people to not live their lives, you know? Oh, we're, we're in a kitchen. We're right recording now. in yeah, yeah. We're recording in my kitchen <laughs> right now. So you know, <laughs> but yeah, you know, he got the drumstick variety pack. This is how you know he's living the good life. <laughs> no, I'm no, good right I'm now. Good. Yeah, thank you. Uh, but yeah, man, we meander and so this is like fucking Joe Rogan. We're t- we were trying to talk about movies. We're talking about fucking yeah. We started politics it. and shit. What the hell? <laughs> Can't help it, man. I, it's called conversation. Yeah. Meanders. Um, man, um, I'll tell you, ladies and gentlemen out there, for anyone listening, this is the best. We need to get back to this as human beings, just talking to one another for hours at a time. Enough, no more. I don't want to hear small talk from no one. I'm going to start coming up to people and being like, what do you think of, what do you think of the news today? Israeli-Palestine. I have no idea. It's crazy. Oh, right? careful where you do that. You might <laughs> yeah. get a glass thrown at that, a black man. Yo, that was... Yo, I'm telling you, these are moments in my life that are freaking amazing moments in my comedy career. Just seeing that shit just crazy. I, if there's anyone who can be set off in the audience, apparently I am the guy who can do it. Did did she throw the glass at you? No, she threw it at Zuri because he... Was, at, he wasn't he on stage? He was on stage. It was, it was yo. It was like, because I made a crack about... Uh, because I made a crack about uh, Israel and Palestine, and uh, like Jews can go on birthright, go yes. to Israel for free, all this shit. And I made some jokes about it, and she was not happy. She was not happy at she all. She barely let you get past saying birthright. You're like, yeah. my parents want me to go on birthright. And, and I was like, Jewish fuck Israel. Uh, and it's just like, 
Uh, if you let me finish the chug, you can see that I, I, don't, I don't like really, Israel either that much. Uh, it's <laughs> like, like uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure they've committed war crimes. <laughs> uh, you hear yeah. the rest of the joke? It, it's actually uh, you might like it. I, I, I indict Israel pretty badly. I that uh, what was his name? The guy who went on after you? Uh, Zuri. Zuri. Yeah, he, he asked about it. You know? Yeah, he he. Didn't know, but he, at, like, it could have just died there and she could have been okay. But, like, my God, you know, I, uh, I after that, had one of, like, the best sets of my fucking life. Because, like, the f- there were audience members there. And, like, it was a spicy moment yeah. that day. Yeah, and I, I was barely awake and I was just running <laughs> through material. <laughs> but it was a good mic. And I got up on stage and the first thing I said, I was like, can you imagine throwing a glass... As a grown woman, and everyone was like, yeah. Like, I was like, yo, I, I was this half is awake <laughs> at the uh, bar just sitting there drinking coffee, and then she comes out screaming. Oh, so you didn't even see Zuri on stage? No, I, I was. You, you watched her burst out? Yeah, she was screaming. And then she went down the street. She came back. She banged on the window. I tried to break it for a second. Went down street screaming. Then one of the first guys go up on stage was apparently her boyfriend comes out. I tries to pay for a drink. He's deathly embarrassed and runs down the street after her. And I'm just laughing like she was just running up, howling. She was run, she was running up and down the street and was banging on the window and stuff. She banged on the window one time like a <laughs> yo. Oh my god. Um, it was beautiful. Did you did you, you didn't even. What she got up and threw the glass, and it was like so far to the left. Like, like I was like, did, was she trying well, to I hit? Came I came in she, there afterwards, and the glass was still on the ground, and it looked like it made it about three feet. I thought that you were sitting like stage left, and she was throwing it at you. No, and so, and, but like I think, yeah, apparently she was aiming for the guy on stage, because because the guy Zuri was like, all right, listen, shut the fuck up. I don't even want. It's not even worth it to talk about this if you're gonna freak out like this. And then she had an outburst, and she threw the fucking thing. It's like, was she Jewish? Uh, no, she hated Israel. Oh, well, yeah, so, so you know. Oh, she might have still been yeah, Jewish. I don't know, but. I don't know. Uh, so, f- Israel, who cares? <laughs> I don't know. See, the thing is, is we, I, I feel like us just being, like, especially me, like, I have no cultural rev- relevance to this. I have no idea what's happening, and I don't think that that woman is really that much more informed than I am. I, it's a and place like, so that's like, mentioned in an old book. Yeah, like. Our my perspective is so shitty on it because like we're not from there, we have no idea what's yeah. really going on. Like we don't we don't know. We barely know what's going on in our own country. You know, yeah. sometimes the government lies to us, and we find out some crazy declassified CIA like shit. sixty years later. Yeah, so you know, like, ah, well, we made a whoopsie daisy there, and we are, you know, <laughs> for all I know, like, you know, because like, it seems like right now the mainstream narrative is that Israel is horrible and that the Palestinians are, you know, they're good people and they're, they're, you know, being pushed out by this white national, you know, whatever Jewish thing. But, you know, for, I don't know. I, I don't know what's really happening. Cause like you, you could go and, and talk to someone there and, and they would say, Oh, well, you know, these terrorist groups are very violent, you know, it's crazy. And, you know, we feel like we have to fight back. And then you talk to the, whatever, you know, like a normal Muslim there and they're like, I don't know, these, these Jews, they're kind of like, you know, pushing in and stealing and, you know, it's not right, you know, but I, I I can see both sides of the argument so easily. Like, like it's so weird to come 
and like say, no, I say unequivocally, Israel's evil and Palestine is good. And that's the end of that. It's like, it couldn't be true. It, like, I mean, you know, there's good and bad in both, you know, and it's a weird thing to say. Trump said that <laughs> there are good people on both sides. But, you know, I don't know. It's kind of true. It's just, you know, it's a well, weird thing. It's one of those things, I think, again, where the majority of people is just, yeah, I just want to live my life. I don't really care. I just yeah. want I just want the fighting to stop and everyone just to. Yes, yes. Just say, you see, it's it, what it most likely is. My name is Mordecai. He's is Ishmael. Like, We're yeah, doing like, good. It's probably 99% or 95% normal people who have jobs and families and lives and are who are just like, ah, you know, I, I don't care who wins. I just, if we could just have peace for like 30 years, you know, I have a- Not I, even the whole time, <laughs> like, just enough so like I can have grandkids. Yeah, That's it. like, that, you know, I would like to have someone visit me. I, you know, I'm an Israeli Jew and my family lives in Europe or America. They can't visit. They're afraid. Oh, the, you know, like, the whole reason why I didn't go at the time, number one, uh, didn't have a passport, but the bigger one was uh, <laughs> I want to go through the effort of getting one because, yeah, I watched the news. Doesn't look like the place to be. What year I saw, was it? Uh, it's around 2012, 2013. Were there any, like, big, you know... It was the last, like, big kerfuffle there. Oh, really? So, like, had there been, like, times of peace? Like, like oh, from, like, 2013 to 2015, it was so cool there. Like, uh, you know, like like a week, oh, maybe. Really? That's how it is, man. Well, they've been at a been in constant battle there since it was founded. Yeah, but you know, like I feel like I've seen like maybe an Anthony Bourdain episode or something. Yeah, he's like, had at least one or two there. Yeah, where one like, of them he got there was bombing in the city. Yeah, but you know when he's just going through it during the day, it seems like a beautiful, kind of amazing place. Like, oh yeah, you know, it's like. It, it's just crazy that you know that's the Holy Land. It's it, it's remarkable that it's just like it's still there. Do you know what it's Jesus really all about? Here, you know, you like whatever. What? Uh, it's about a falafel mix. Who made it first? What? The Anthony Bourdain? No, no, uh, the entire war. Oh, wait. Are you being serious? A hundred percent. No. It, so back <laughs> in uh, 1950s, the Yom Kippur War uh, during the fast during Yom Kippur. Uh, the Muslims were taunting the Jews by eating falafel. And in retaliation, uh, like, they, they of course, got into a war. <laughs> and what it really came down to was uh, if the Muslims, like, even when I was a kid, I remember Yasser Arafat, uh, he, he, was, uh, he was eating falafel on national TV, taunting the Jews. Ah, oh, yes, we made this before you did. And he would cackle like a like a goblin in front of people. <laughs> then Benjamin Netanyahu, a uh, good Jewish man that he is, he decided we're going to roll tanks through the streets. And, <laughs> you know, everything worked out in the end. Peace ever since. You see, it's such personal bullshit even, like between two, like, you know, maybe Yasser Arafat was trying to insult the Jews, I, the I, regular Jewish people. Maybe he was just in trying to insult Netanyahu to his face. You know, like, like, he'd be like yeah, you fuck. You know, like, I, I feel like these rich, powerful men get us into trouble. Like, 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 uh, yeah, like, like you're getting us into trouble, and you're not getting anything out of it. You're, you're, you're fine. You, you, you know, you're still a billionaire. We're all poor. The, the old fuck? and rich get the young and poor yeah. to fight for them. That's, that's an old thing. Yeah, it's a sad thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I feel like we should get our octogenarians, like the old people, they should be the ones fighting in wars. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, I feel like you already have a built-in suicide bomber when you have a guy <laughs> carrying an oxygen tank with you. One bullet and boom. It goes half a battalion. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm just saying, get get a bunch of old people, go to a retirement home. <laughs> Uh, they don't know where they are. Just hand them a gun, drop them in uh, wherever you need them. They'll have flashbacks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they'll go fighting. <laughs> They're excited about it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, now what? What do we, what do we say now? What, what do we move on to now, right? <laughs> I mean, we've covered the gamut, I feel. Uh, yeah. uh, everything except for... Uh, the actual reason why we sat down. We talked about that for like 20 minutes. I just, yeah. I, I, well, that, hey. that was, I feel like it was better this way. Yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, see, I want to, like, I am, I, like, like, like I said before about podcasting and comedians, like, I want to start one. I was thinking about just calling it, like, video games podcast. Just video, yeah. video games. I love video games. I love playing them, you know, but I don't want it to kind of be about video games. Yeah. You know, like, Maybe we'll start out like that, but I don't know. I, I want it to go wherever. Well, let's talk about light. We'll talk about movies. I don't know. We'll t- I'll talk about whatever the fuck you want. You know, like, I'll, I'll ri- you know, basically, I kind of want to just rip off Cumtown. Where I'm just like, I don't know what I'm <laughs> going to say or why, but I'm just going to say it, and hopefully people listen, you know. Uh, and, yeah, like, I don't know. It's cool. Yeah, I It's had, cool to see the way these, these things go. I had no plans with this. I mean, even the name was kind of chosen just because <laughs> oh, – Rosen swag was uh, what I was called in high school and college because <laughs> people kept on mispronouncing my How name. How do you pronounce it? Uh, Rosen right swag. Swag. Yes. Yeah. And uh, it's like everyone mispronounces it. Use that as the title. People still fucking be not pronouncing your name at open mics. Oh yeah, it's like, yeah. You, uh, it's like okay, this guy's been coming here for weeks. <laughs> like, like, well, I mean, like Ivan, uh, Ivan knows your name by now, right? Like. Most of the people know my name yeah. at this point, but it, it's always funny because I'll have them come up. does not matter which one I go to. Yeah. And after I go up, it's always like, how's your name pronounced? <laughs> it's always the first thing I'm asked after I did. It's like, hey, man, that was a good set. What? How, how do you say your last name? Just like it's spelled. Yeah. Like you, you got through English just like I did. Yeah. It's like E-I, what sound does that make? <laughs> I. Okay, G, what does that make? <laughs> okay, Z-W, you can pronounce it. Come on. <laughs> You've been doing this podcast, how many episodes you got? Uh, I would say like three and a half because uh, yeah. with Charles, uh, he's we had a break in between in the first one. I posted up the first half as the first episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charles who? Gruber. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I know him as Gruber. Chucky G. From Staten Island, right? Jersey. Oh, he's from Jersey? Yeah. So, okay, yeah. So he's Jersey, Staten Island, Long Island people. We are like, you know, we're all one and the same. You know, we're kind of like. all fucking white trash. We, we are. <laughs> no, yeah, we're white trash, like Italian, Irish, or Jewish that, you know, we live close enough to the city where, like, we brag about it. But, like, far enough and seriously far out of the way enough where it's like. We don't get any of the cool shit from it at all. Like, it's, it's crazy. You get a nice yeah. skyline. Yeah. Uh, no. I mean, you see, you you start seeing the skyline. Like, I mean, Staten Island probably sees it awesome. They, they, they got a great view. And actually, Jersey. But yeah. Long Island. We oh, Long Island. You don't see jack don't see shit. shit. You know what's crazy is uh, 
on 9-11, though, um, I remember it, like, vividly. I was 11 years old, and when, you know... I was in kindergarten. Oh, yeah, you see, I was I was in third, fourth grade. Yeah, like, fifth grade-ish. But, that you know, towers hit the World Trade Center. We saw, like, a stack of smoke coming up from, like, downtown yeah. uh, New York City. We had no idea what the fuck it was. It was so, so crazy. But, like, you could see it outside the window of the school... And, like, you know, kids are getting taken out of class. It was wild. And it was yeah. a really big deal in Texas, especially the area that I lived in, uh, Fort Worth. Yes, uh, military Col- area. A lot yeah. of military. We have Lockheed Martin, Boeing, uh, Bell. What? Uh, all around there. So oh, you we must figured- get some great air shows. Oh, yeah, fantastic. Oh my, uh, my, <laughs> my folks, they talked about, like, you know, the uh, Blackhawk that, uh, uh, Blackhawk, that's the chopper up. Uh, it's like uh, Blue Angels. Something? It's like one of the uh, stealth bombers. Oh, like, yeah. It didn't exist. <laughs> Except for when we saw it fly over the bridge. <laughs> That's crazy. God damn. Uh, I mean, like I get to go up in helicopters and stuff because a buddy of mine, his grandfather worked at Bell, and uh, I, my mom used to do insurance for Lockheed Martin. I have a number of friends who work there. Wow. And it's like, oh, no, it's a job in city. And uh, down the street from where I grew up, uh, there was a uh, testing base for, uh, like, jet engines and shit like that. And you just hear this rumble coming on for, like, a few minutes in the background, and no one quite knew what it was. <laughs> it's like, it's not the train going by. <laughs> but feels like there's a train going by really close to here. <laughs> that's crazy. God damn. You get used to it. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, but the only real thing that I've been around New York City that was anything similar to that, uh, I came here uh, with my family. I was like 11 or 12 years oh. old, something like that. And uh, outside of Grand Central Station, there was an explosion. We had just gotten down from the Empire State Building. What? It, People this happened were, in 2012? God damn. Ah, oh, man. I'm no, sorry. I was I was like that age. So oh, so, okay. It's so, like 2006 or something. Whoa. Okay, so. Well, Dude, I was. You see, I'm sorry. Well, here's, here's the thing. It, it wasn't actually a big deal. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so we come down from the Empire State Building. We're doing all the touristy shit. My dad's from here. He's never been up in the Empire State Building before. And it's just like, oh, well, I brought my family and blah, blah, blah. I'll finally <laughs> see you. Um, come down there people running in the fucking streets and me and my parents we're cool as cucumber we're (laughs) if there's something happening we can't stop it my brother's freaking out (laughs) this woman uh there was a black woman like pantsuit like she was just like at work and this happened something like that she is sprinting down the street and she's telling us there was an explosion it's explosion outside of grand central station and we get home, get home, get to the hotel, and we see the news. Turns out an overloaded pickup ran over this section of a uh, steam line that had not been worked on in years and oh. blew up. And it's like there was a uh, relatively large crater. The guy had, like, first and second degree burns. Uh not too bad, like, he was able to leave the hospital that day, oh. that kind of shit. It was just like, that's all that happened. That's the closest I've come to that. Yo, that's so great. You see, five years after 9-11, people were like, oh, 
Fuck. Yeah, people thought like <laughs> people it was like, the end oh, of days. Christ. Yeah. Oh my god, that's fucked up, man. That would. You see, yeah. See, you guys were cool as cucumbers because you were like, ah, <laughs> well, you know, loud noises. We hear them. You know. Well, we know. it's weird. <laughs> like, uh, I, it's part of the reason why I think I can do like the public speaking kind of stuff we do, where it's like, uh, yeah, this is. Horrific. What what is the Jerry Seinfeld bit? Uh, people's number two fear is death. The number one fear is public speaking, which means they'd rather be the guy in the ground than the guy giving the eulogy. Yeah, yo. Oh, whoa, that's a fucking good one, Jerry. What the fuck? I think I totally and, forgot about that one. And it's like I've for, had so many people tell me, like, oh man, that is the scariest thing I've ever heard of. And like, you know, like there are a couple of people who I'm like, you are hilarious. Get on, please. And yeah. I'm, I'm too scared. And I'm like, well, it's so much easier than you think. Well, like, the funniest guy I know, he used to follow me and my buddy who are comics around to a bunch of mics and shows and shit. And he does not do stand-up at all. He, I remember he had this great line, yeah, my mom's pissed at my dad smoking meth with the neighbors. Your dad <laughs> smokes meth? Well, uh, more than we'd like. Uh, like any amount, it's more than we'd like. Oh, no, he has it under control. <laughs> He's a functioning drug addict. No, but... It was just heavy stories like, yeah, you don't have a roof chair? What's a roof chair? Oh, it's where you sit if you want to be alone. Like, you sit on the roof on the chair. It's bolted to the roof. You don't have that? No, I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah, but, man, comedy is fucking so awesome, man. It's like... Like, I guess public speaking where, like, I don't know, you bomb, or even if, like, you're just trying to deliver information, uh, that is crazy. Like, I could never, like, give a TED Talk where I'm not make, trying to make people laugh. Like, it's that reaction of getting people to laugh is, like, ridiculous. It's like it, it's like being on drugs. Like, there's this one, there's this documentary called, uh, I think it's called I Am Comic, and it's, like, this one guy who's a former comedian... And now he's a documentarian. He takes another guy around who's a former comedian. They do a whole documentary about comedy and, like, open mics and all the shows in New York, L.A., all this stuff. Yeah. The old guy was, like, a pretty big deal in the 80s. And he was a good comic. He quit, though, had a family. Like, he had writing jobs on The Tonight Show, so he, you know, kind of retired. He just did that kind of yeah. stuff afterwards. And so a job. He goes back. Like, he's do, he's interviewing everyone for the documentary. So he's oh. going to a lot of shows, and he's like, oh, man, I'm just getting the itch. Like, I want to go back to do it. It's so crazy, you know? Like, my God, I can't wait. He then goes and does an open mic at a bar. Yeah. like, And it's, like, in this random bar, I think, around L.A. somewhere. And, you know, he does pretty good. He doesn't do great. Like, yeah. it's, it's not like he fucking murdered, but he does pretty good. People were laughing at some of his stuff. It was, like, you know, a decent open mic set. He gets off stage, he's like, oh, yeah. Like, I've never related to, like, a moment in any film as much as that where, like, well, you feel like you're on cocaine and you're not. Like, it's it's unbelievable. You're light on your feet. You, yeah. <laughs> you've got this grin on your face and just everything washes away. And, he, yeah, he was, he was like, you know, there's nothing, there's no feeling like this. You know, it's so crazy. that It's like a natural high you get, like, all that dopamine really go goes through you and it's so cool and he's like you know normally like the more you do it the more that feeling kind of wears off and like you know we would take drugs and and drink to, to keep the feeling going of like feeling like yeah i'm the fucking man but you know man there's nothing like if i never make it if nothing ever happens man 
I've had these amazing moments on stage, like cool stories, fun stuff. It's just, it's a great, great time, and I love it so much, you know? I mean, I just, I, I'm at a point now where it's like I'm doing well enough again, and I have people noticing again where it's like, okay, I, I think I might be able to, there's no, hopefully no other pandemics, any world shutting down business again. I might be able to do this. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I think you have the podcast. I think you have a future in it. You know, like, I, I feel like just the fact that we could both sit here and talk for as long as we do, like, normal people can't do it. They couldn't keep it going. Like, you know. Yeah, there's like this it, energy. You got to get the takes, uh, crackle going. Yeah, it, ah. it's true. And it, I feel like it takes a certain personality to just be okay with hearing your own voice and talking and talking and talking and ranting, like and just jerking off yeah, about how know, great we are, I really feel like we can at, keep doing at the this. very <laughs> least. One of us will make it in radio somehow, and then you know, hopefully, I don't know, I'll, I'll ride your coattails. When, or some when shit. was the last yeah. time you listened to radio? Uh, you know, I don't know, like. Not that long ago. I mean, you, you know what? Oh, I mean? yeah, you drive around. I forget that. Yes. Okay. I, you see, I, I just listened to the these stuff on my phone. Um, I'm living like a different... It's, it's a totally different experience for me. Because, like, yeah, in, in the car, I get tired of podcasts. I get tired of music. And so I'll put on, like, the sports radio, like Michael Kay and uh, Don LaGreca, Pierre Rosenberg. Like, they're just these, you know, local personalities who talk about, you know, the Yankees and the Mets and the Knicks. And it's awesome. I love it. You know, like, I love sports talk like that radio. I like, uh, you know, I'll listen to, uh, like, I don't actually have Sirius, but there's a show on Faction Talk Radio, The Bonfire. Yeah. You know Big J. Ogerson, Dan Sutter? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that show is fucking funny. And, you know, it's it's less of a a radio show and more of a, uh, you know, a podcasts like comedy podcasts but still I, I do listen to it but it is dying it's 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 going away i mean one of the things that i've wanted to do since i was a kid uh i used to listen to npr a lot with my folks growing up and uh there was the show prairie home companion oh most people that i know hated it and it was this show where all these stories took place around the small town Lake Wobegon, and <laughs> it was a whole variety show. Yeah. And that that was my jam when I was a kid because they put out new content every week. They had jokes. They had comedians. They had a band. They... Oh, so, oh, so it's a, re- a variety show. Yeah, like Very, one of those old school variety shows. They had like old school, like southern comedians would come up and stuff. Like, oh, no, just like regular comics. Yeah. They would do like a clean act... Uh, yeah, that you would have, uh, mostly like folk bands and stuff on there, occasionally like rock or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and you would have these people doing an entire show, like these stories with characters and stuff, whole scripts. And it was this great show yeah. that I just grew up on and all this stuff was, I love the idea of just being able to tell these stories, do these skits, uh. It's on NPR. Used to be. So, yeah, and see, the NPR here, I don't think we get it. Oh, well, we're, it, we're, 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 so we're uh, Garrison Keillor, the yeah. guy who did the show for like 30, 40 years, uh, he got canceled because uh, apparently <sighs> he touched, the story is 
He uncomfortably touched the small of a woman's back, and NPR canceled him immediately. It was at the height of uh, Me Too movement. Oh, no. He really did that, and that was it? Uh, that's the story. I don't know if there's anything else. Oh, my God. But from everything that I read, that was it. You know, if that's, you know, oh, man, that's that's a weird thing. That's a really, because, yo, when I was a lot younger and I would, like, go out to bars, like, I would hit on women like that. I, I would put my hand on the small of a woman's back, like, never touch her ass or anything like that, go over the line in any way. But, like, I would get drunk and I would, you know, be like, hey, how you doing? Like, can I buy you a drink? And, you know. It would, you know, sometimes work. Some women were like, hey, excuse me. Is it no? Is it inappropriate? Like, I, yeah. I know, feel like, it, well, it's the workplace for him. I was literally just going to say that, that, uh, yeah, I was in more of a, you know, social environment where that yeah. happens. But, yeah, I guess, yeah, him and. <laughs> uh, apparently, yeah, he lost all that stuff they've been working on for years. Uh, I think Tom Papa kind of took over that role. Oh. I, I don't know if he's still doing it, but he used to have like a uh, I love him. weekly <laughs> variety show. He's one of the uh, most wholesome comedians I've ever heard. He's great. I, I love him. <laughs> well, he has uh, just these great bits like, you're doing great. You, <laughs> you are doing great. You're here. You're having a good time. You're watching this at home. You're doing fine. You're doing all right. <laughs> so what? You got some love handles. Love handles mean... That you are living a good life. You've yeah. had times of plenty. <laughs> I yeah, I feel like I mostly know Tom Papa through. Yeah, I watched the show uh, your uh, your mom's house. Yeah, and then I watch also where my mom's at. Yeah, with Christina Pajiski. Um, it's mostly a show about like mom stuff and like yeah. being. I I don't know why I like it. I do. I'm like getting to that age where like I think like genetically my brain is like start a fucking family, yo. Come on. Procreate, you know, like, yes. damn it. But um, I heard him on the show, yeah. and he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm a girl dad. You know, it's just like he seems like such a fun, cool dad. He's like, I, 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 bake, I bake bread now. You know, it's great. You know, and it's he, like, he's like, I watched so his cool. entire, uh, like, during the first month or two of the pandemic, he had getting baked with. Uh, getting dug with high? Uh, was that getting baked with uh, Tom, and it was him. Uh, showing you how to make a sourdough oh. bread from beginning to end. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was. You, you've seen that show with Doug Benson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a friend of mine uh, worked on that show. Oh, I think shit. he was like a producer or something on it. Uh, yeah, pretty cool. I, I, that's a funny fucking podcast where he just smokes weed with people. Yeah, yeah. but you know what I, I'm about to say? What? I don't know. Um, we might want to get out of here. Well, I, I kind of want to get out of here because, so, like, you know, I want to get to Eastfield by 5.30-ish. Yeah. So we um, that case, wrap it uh, up. You want to you wanna wrap this up? I want to wrap it up. I want to say um, who I am. I didn't say it at the top, but, you know, so. But, yeah. you know, my name is Thomas Alfano, everyone. I'm a stand-up comedian here out here in New York, uh, originally from Long Island. You know what? Um, you know, I have no podcast to plug or anything like that. But I would love it if you followed me on Twitter. I don't know what my own. Okay, so my Twitter handle is at Tommy Boy. Tommy with two T O M M Y B O A B O Y, and then AKA Tom. That's the whole Tommy Boy, AKA Tom, is the Twitter handle. And follow me on Instagram, the Tommy Alfano. Uh, you know, Instagram is cool. So yeah, follow me there. But, ah. Yeah. And, you know, I aspire to making a podcast. Hopefully one day someone will listen to this and then 
listen to my podcast, but yeah, this is uh, fantastic, and holy shit, we really ripped through this, you know? Yeah. So awesome. we got like three hours on here. Yes. Yeah, like, oh, crazy. Yeah. See, I'm telling you, you know, Joe Rogan, this is basically Rogan, you know? yeah, it's <laughs> Joe, yeah, it's not Joe Rogan, it's Joe Rosen. Oh, yeah, why yeah. did I, I forgot your name is Joe. It's the Joe Rosen <laughs> experience. Hells yeah. All right, well. All right, well. Anything else to say? I think I think we uh, I think we did it. Mm-hmm. That was great that having was you great. on, man. Yes, thank you for having me, and I'll be back anytime you ask. Seriously, all right. it was fun. Dope. All right, bye. All right, uh, that that was a really fun time talking with Tom. Uh, he's got a couple of different ways you can reach him: Twitter, Instagram. Uh, yeah, if you get the chance to see this guy perform, you won't be disappointed. Uh, that said, if you came here today expecting us to uh, really get in depth about movies or like the neo noir ideas, uh, yeah, we didn't really get into that. <laughs> but uh, I think we had a hell of a talk. We we figured out a uh, a few things. Uh, I think like uh, this was a good time. This this is what I uh, look forward to when I'm doing the podcast. Really uh, getting into just conversations with uh, comics I know and love, and that I I love for the uh, rest of the world to uh, get a chance to see. Uh, that said, we got another episode next week, and I'm gonna try to have them every week after. Thanks for listening, and you guys have a uh, great day. All right, keep that shit up. Bye.